Alright, welcome Barry to Back in Tunes. I'm your host, Michael, on this episode, my guest, Andrew. How's it going, Andrew? Good, good. How are you? Alright, I'm very excited to discuss this. We are going to be discussing the first decade of Pixar, which is celebrating 20 years, basically, of their feature films. They did do some short films before that, but I think most people know their launch date was for Toy Story. Yeah. And uh, I think it's funny, looking back on it, I knew about Toy Story. They're advertising it like crazy, saying, oh, this is the first like CG movie. And I, I was interested, but not like I was going to go to the theater and see it. But then everybody told me it was the most amazing thing ever. So I caught it on video, and I think I watched it at least three times within like the first uh, couple days that I rented it. Yeah, when, when it came out, uh, I have... Once again, sisters that were younger than me, so that's definitely something that we watched uh, in theaters and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, being a little older uh, than them, but really enjoyed the the film itself and just uh, the idea of of toys, you know, coming to life while we're not looking at them. Yeah, because who hasn't imagined their own toys in their world? I had GI Joes and Star Wars figures, and I was always making up this universe for them. You know, I, I don't know why. It seems silly now, but like, oh, this character would die, and they draw a crayon on him like he got shot or whatever. And I made up this huge mythos. But then to think that while you're gone, they have their own universe going. That's it's, It was a very great original idea. Yeah, very, like, imaginative. Because, I mean, you, you as a kid, you know, like you said, play with your toys. You know, the way you have and the way your imagination is. And then just for someone to say, you know, hey, what do the toys do when someone's away you know bring him to life and things like that um it, it also kind of can get a little scary thinking about things like that i know that you know there's a lot of those horror movies oh, like yeah. dolls and and stuff that, about killer toys and stuff but uh so i mean it was just a very unique uh movie tailored to to a uh, younger generation the um do you remember uh there was teddy rexman oh yeah i had one i had a teddy rexman those are creepy to me my buddy, it was my buddy, my kid's sister, and Teddy Ruxpin, they're all kind of automated, and it just creeped me the hell out. Yeah, we we had, I, I had one when I was a kid, he only had one book, and that's the only book he read, um, and you, you can hear, obviously, when, like, some of the little animatronics are going off, you can hear those movements, <laughs> and uh, I, I swear a couple times when I was, you know, laying down to go to sleep, I heard a couple of those movements without oh, it really being on, so... <laughs> I, I wouldn't you know. be able to deal with that. I'd be like, you're getting rid of it now, and I'd like, no, <laughs> just throw it away. The, I remember um, the, the, the thing about, about him, too, is kind of funny, is, you know, he kind of looks soft and cuddly, but he was hard, like as hard as a rock. Oh, yeah, because his whole core him. is hard plastic, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the funny thing about Toy Story is that they actually licensed a few real toys. I remember the Slinky Dog being like, what? Uh, there's a couple others, right? Was there Mr. Potato Head? Mr. Potato Head, yeah, was in there. Um, and, and that's the kind of the cool thing, too. You see those those licensed toys in there. Of course they made up, you know, Buzz and made up Woody, but uh, they even had little people, uh, like Fisher Price, little people in it as well. And uh, of course, you know, a, a bucket of, of army men, plastic army men that you can, you can get for really cheap too. Yeah. The cool part is, uh, I think the reason toy story transcends age groups, not just because of the great, you know, story and uh, the voice actors being fairly well known, which is kind of a newer thing. Um, Aladdin, Aladdin was like the first movie to really like bring a big name into the voice acting world. But Toy Story, it wasn't just uh, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. The whole cast is just filled to the brim with great character actors. 
Yeah, and there was like a really big boom too, right? Right when Pixar was coming out, where you know really well-known actors and actresses would would have roles in in these films and these cartoons, and um, being a voice actor, which is really interesting, because all of a sudden movies are coming out, and this person's in it, this person's in it, and and uh, now, I mean, it's kind of a normal occurrence now, you know. But um, it was it was really kind of revolutionary, I guess you could say, in, in that aspect. Yeah, the um, the one thing they've said is around this time period is when the people who their main source of income was doing voice acting were pushed aside so that studios could embrace Star, slap the name on the poster, and get people's attention. And acting is acting, in my opinion. It doesn't matter if you're a name or not. If you can do the role, you can do the role. If not everybody can pull off voice acting. It stuns me to this day that Ben Diesel has been able to do voice acting because he doesn't have the most uh, cartoon voice. Well, hey, he made so many millions on just saying, you know, I am Groot. Right. <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, he, I think part he's of the appeal... One of the, oh, God. Yeah, in my opinion, he's one of the most monotone actors like you can ever find. It, it's hard to watch a movie that he's in and enjoy it when he's in there because yeah. it's just like... Uh, what is he going to say? It's going to be monotone, and, and that's about <laughs> it. I uh, I think part of the deal with a lot of those animated movies is not just the fact that a lot of the actors are like, oh, I got kids. It'd be really cool if I could make a movie that they could see. They're smart. They know that they'll take a small paycheck up front, but they probably get part of the merchandising. And Toy Story is heavy. Every time one of those movies comes out, uh, oh, one yeah. of the Pixar movies comes out, you know they're going to sell. I mean, there, there hasn't been one out in you know a couple of years now but there's toys are still on the shelves they're yeah. on the shelves at walmart at target um there's you know blankets lunch pails i mean right now disney's doing this huge thing um i forget what they're called but they're little like they kind of look like pillow pets but i mean there's toy story characters as those little you know stuffed uh, little circle things that they have out right now so that that thing is is just trend you know going through all the generations transcending the the uh, rel- relativity of it being a movie out and just just become a constant thing now and on shelves. Yeah, I think I think I was reading a report when we worked. Do you still work for the Bullseye? Yeah, I well, not store side anymore, but uh, uh, maintenance. Um, but I was just curious if they still have cars in Toy Story. I remember reading a report saying that Toy Story would sell. Um, more money but cars was more volume and i think it's because cars you know you can pick up a cars toy for like a couple bucks whereas toy story the toys are pretty elaborate um it may cost more but you're going to get more features especially in buzz lightyear that thing was loaded to the gills with like little gadgets and buttons and stuff yep i uh when my son was two i believe i i bought him a uh, buzz lightyear a fully automated one it was something like forty dollars or something like that but that thing was was pretty solid. It 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 had been a while since I've you know played with a toy or even like handled a toy that solid, but um, that was a, a pretty higher end toy uh, to for him to be playing with. Oh, I I just realized I got off track earlier. I was going to say that the the movie cross generations, and I think it's also because the toys are archetypes for the most part. Yes, there are a few toys that are licensed, but everybody knows what a cowboy is. Everybody knows what a spaceman is. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's is it legitimately Barbie or is it a Barbie type? I can't remember. I, I believe it is Barbie. Um, I remember. I think in like the second movie, um, she like jumps in the car and hey, I'm oh, tour guide yeah. Barbie. So. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Barbie, yeah. 
And I think it's funny that the Martian toys are the ones oh, that those re- are they really broke out. Uh, they were just in a very small part of the first movie, but something about them was so appealing. And I still, I, it's they only have like two lines in that first movie, I think. Yeah, um, I, like when they go and uh, to that pizza planet, it's a, and it's probably just a creation of of you know some of the people doing the effects there, but. Um, there's a whole claw machine of them, and those things just took off. I mean, again, you know, you put those things right right next to a, a Woody, and people are, are buying them up just as much. Yeah. The uh, the great part is that Pixar, most animation studios kind of stumble in the beginning. The first few hits are usually either too expensive and it does some damage, or it's not critically well-received. It's just amazing how Pixar, first movie out of the gate, absolutely fantastic, does great box office, and I think it only cost $30 million. And I, not just because Pixar had quality control, I think it was time for animation to move on. There were no musical numbers, but there were songs that you could remember that Randy Newman did. And yeah. uh, Those songs become ingrained in right. your head. It just fused in your head. And, I mean, who doesn't know the words to You Got a Friend of Me you know, by now? It's, it's there permanently. Yeah, it was like a response to Disney's overloaded. I think at that time, after Lion King, I, uh, was it Pocahontas and Hunchback? Very, very expensive movies, but they didn't really get the the audience attention nor the critics behind them. And I think Pixar really struck the right note at the right time. And it, and it's just different. I mean, you're going from you know hand drawn animation to something that's a computer generated image that gives you those three D round effects and and just a different look at the time that was a really a refresher for a lot of people yeah i uh, i'm kind of bummed that 2d animation 3d uh can't share the same limelight at the box office i i couldn't tell you the last time i saw a three or a two-dimensional movie uh it just seems like now it's all relegated to television i kind of miss it because there's certain things that are still really hard to capture with 3d yeah yeah it's it's uh you got those crazy um movies uh, i can think of of as far as 2d animation that are my favorites like you know rockabilly and things like that fievel um you, you really don't see those too often at all uh, movie wise for anastasia anastasia yeah the animation on it is just so gorgeous and yes i know it's kind of a girl's movie but i still find it pretty entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever goes around going, yeah, man, I love Anastasia. And like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh, d- Dirty Dozen. I love the Dirty Dozen. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the the things that really worked in Toy Story, they tried to bring over to Bugs Life. The, Randy Newman doing a song. They picked uh, Bugs and Toys are easy to do in 3D animation without looking fake. And they picked a really solid cast, you know, filled with character actors, you know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Dave Foley. Uh, um, Kevin Spacey, you know, but for some reason that movie is the one Pixar movie that seems to be forgotten. Yeah, it, it's you know an, an earlier movie, like you know the second one, like you said, and um, I mean I remember watching it and not being like fully as a you know younger as excited for that one as a toy one. I mean it is a whole different world. It's not toys, you know, especially it's toys that you can familiarize yourself with. It's uh, you know in Toy Story you have. Um, Mr. Potato Head and, and those licensed things that you, you kind of grew up with and Bugs Life's totally original characters, you know, with their own different personalities that are some things that you don't not get used to, you're not used to. So um, it's probably harder for, for the audience to get 
emotionally invested in some of those characters. Yeah, I'll say the first the first movie they did was kind of whimsical. It is funny. I'll give you that. It's funny, but its focus seems to be a little you know tweaked by nostalgia as. Whereas Bugs Life, it seems to be pure adventure comedy, where there's not a lot of emotion going on in that one. Maybe that's why it doesn't connect. Yeah, and I mean, from from that, you know, they they took it more as a as a journey um, of of the main character, the you know, the ant, um, kind of a self discovery journey as well. So, um, as as opposed to Toy Story, what it's you know, kind of a cowboy versus alien, kind of age old, you know, yeah. sometimes. Uh, story that you know is really entertaining right off the bat and you know a journey of self-discovery maybe not so much with you know the youngins little younglings yeah i think the thing that hooks you in with toy story all three of them is being replaced by something new nobody wants to be replaced you know uh either you know i've seen kids freak out over the fact that they're getting a new sibling or you know the girl you're dating breaks up with you for someone new or you get fired or demoted for someone you know fresher and younger and uh i think a lot of people can really connect to that whereas bugs life it is just uh it's kind of um it's basically the plot of the magnificent seven if you take the plot of the magnificent seven and put it in a bugs world that's that that movie so that's not that fresh whereas toy story was a whole new concept the uh the other thing probably hurting it is ants came out i think like six weeks before it yeah i was about to say yeah like that those two movies I get confused with sometimes. It's like, you know, um, I think we were talking about it when we were talking about uh, talking, you know, doing this today. Uh, I think I said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, like working for the man, but that was actually uh, Ants, where, um, (laughs) you know, the main character is uh, a worker ant trying to be more than just a worker ant. Yeah, I think a lot of those movies where, you know, it always seems to happen. Like once every couple of years, there's two movies that are very similar that come out really close to each other. And either one's massive and the other one's a complete flop or uh, they both kind of do okay. And I think that's what happened with Ants and Bugs Life. There was just enough interest to keep it going, but nothing like years down the road. You're like, oh, man, Bugs Life is one of my favorite movies. You usually find yourself going, oh, yeah, Bugs Life. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember that one. Let's watch that again. That's a, that's the best yeah. you can get. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, from Ants, honestly, the like basic plot I can you know remember, but you know, I think uh, Sylvester Stallone was an actor, a voice actor on that as well. Um, yeah, and that <laughs> just goes to show you, you know, the the, the big time celebrities doing doing voices, and um, you know, as anybody can kind of imagine, Sylvester Stallone doing the voice acting is you know <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired. Leaves, yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, so Bugs Life was still somewhat of a success. It kept them going. And then it was Monsters Incorporated that kind of uh, brought them back up to Toy Story level. But for me, that's one of my least favorite. I don't know. I, I haven't even bothered to see the sequel because the first one just never resonated with me. But I know it's huge with most uh, most of the fans of Pixar. Yeah, my uh, my brother was maybe four or five at the time. And so um, that was a movie I, I definitely owned and we put on for him those, you know, countless nights before he was going to sleep. And, and that was uh, a did little different, you know. Did that help him sleep or did that cause problems? Cause I mean, the whole movie is kind of about monsters. Under the bed. <laughs> I, 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 it probably helped him. I mean, you know, usually when, in, you, when you have kids, they kind of want to sit down and lay down and, and watch a movie before they go to sleep. And that one was one that he, he requested many a time. So, oh, okay. um, little bit of a of irony there but uh it was it was a lot different like you know another imaginative uh 
movie on its own, you know, what monsters have their own world, their own dimension and, and kind of those adventures that they go, they're, they're hey, they're normal people, but you know, they, you know, it's just a job. Scaring, scaring kids is just a job. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can connect to that to just like, huh, oh, well, I gotta do it. I gotta pay the bills. It's yeah. It's just something I gotta do. Uh, there yeah. is one movie though, that kind of touched upon that subject, uh, about it. I think 12 years earlier called little monsters with Fred Savage. But it was a lot yeah. more vicious and a lot lower yeah. quality than Monsters, Inc. Yeah, not as polished. No. And uh, I think, you know, I think the character design on everything. This is the first time they, they kind of go with organic. And it looks really good. The fur. I remember them talking about how difficult it was to make. Is it Sully, the one that's the big Yeah. Player? Trying to make him look realistic as he moved, that the fur would move properly. And fur, water, eyes, and skin, I think, were the four things that were the most difficult at that time. They're still difficult today. I still see a lot of special effects when it comes to humans that doesn't look right. Yeah, I think I was really impressed with uh, with what they did with um, the character Randall and how he was kind of like a, um, a lizard-type monster that would uh, camouflage and pretty much go invisible and just seeing like his skin in some scenes is really amazing. Um, and the, and then to touch on, on the Sully, uh, for when they're in the snow, uh, and Mike hits him with a, a snowball, it's, it's like right on. It's, it's amazing to see that animation and how, how there's little particles of the snow left in the fur. And it, it's, it's really, really, uh, um, impressive. The uh, cast is also really good. Uh, Billy Crystal and John Goodman play very well John off each Good. other. And Steve Buscemi is yes. the villain, I think, if I remember correctly. Yes, Steve Buscemi is, is Randall, that character, um, which Steve Buscemi is one of my all-time favorite actors. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see someone like that in, in, in there doing a voice acting. Yeah, some people seem like they're born for it because they have a, a control over their voice that a lot of people don't have. Like you were saying, Vin Diesel seems to have nothing going on behind his voice at all. <laughs> Great actors you utilize every single tool that they have. And people who can master uh, screen acting and voice acting, that, that impresses me. And not a lot of people can conquer that. Yeah. Yeah, there's people, I mean, you you hear of people like Mark Hamill who does both. And uh, it, it's it's crazy to, to think, like, there's no way that's Mark Hamill. I know he did... Uh, he is, of course, a Joker, uh, voice of the Joker, and, and some of the older uh, Batman cartoons. And it's like this guy was Luke Skywalker. There's no way that that voice can come out of him. Well, and, have you ever uh, seen the episode it... of the Flash that he was on, like the old Flash? No. He played the trickster, and he plays kind of a lunatic, and he does all these like toy-oriented pranks. And I guess the voice actor director on the Batman series had heard it, and they're like, "Well, why don't we try him out for the Joker?" And he brought that kind of lunacy, but he completely changes the voice. Whenever, yeah. uh, for people who listen to the show, for the last four episodes, um, me and Jacob, my uh, regular co-host, we have been doing sketches between episode discussions, and then we'll throw one on at the end. And every time I listen to it, I can still tell it's me. When someone can completely <laughs> hide that it's them, that is that is the most difficult thing. Because it's like you've got to manipulate your, your uh, throat in order to do it. Yeah, and and the cool thing too is, like I said, he he did the Joker. He's on a, a more recent show uh, that's on Cartoon Network uh, called. Uh, what am I drawing a blank here? Um, he's a, he's a character on the show. Uh, he's an ape uh, named Skips. Uh, regular show. There we go. Oh, okay. And once again, I mean, you cannot tell it's him. Uh, only reason why I knew it was him because 
you know, you look up things, you look up information on the show, and you know, what Mark Hamill's a you know a character on here. It's <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. Well, I think I think part of it with him was that he got hurt so bad in a car accident right after, no, right before Empire started shooting. That I mean, a you get kind of caught up with stardom, you know, him being Luke Skywalker, he's probably only ever going to be remembered for Skywalker. And then you top yeah. that with the fact that his face was kind of messed up and it'd be harder to get roles. I think that's why he started focusing on doing stage and uh, voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of off on a tangent there, but uh, after a month, uh, I love tangents. See, I always apologize for tangents, but if you listen to any of the great podcasts, they just go where the conversation goes. I, I gotta stop apologizing. Yeah. It's been like two years of me going, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and people can enjoy some of that stuff. I mean, it's it's really cool. to. This is just a conversation between us, and people just happen to tune in and listen. So right. wherever this conversation goes, you know, we'll, we'll every once in a while have to get kind of back into it. But, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy these. So That's the glory of podcasting compared to radio. I was in broadcasting for a few years, and there is such a strict rule. The, the regiment, you have to have... You literally have to get a piece of paper out, get all the songs that you're supposed to play, and, and most of them have to be the current songs, and you can throw in some catalog songs in the middle. And uh, you have to do the math, time it out exactly for the commercial or the PSA, and then at the top of the hour, you better not have any time left over because then you have to fit in your uh, the you know the announcement for the weather, the station, your, your number, you know, like 94.7. You have to do that within the first five minutes of the next hour, too. And it just killed it for me because you have to stop everything. You have to wrap it up so tightly that I just lost interest. And uh, the podcasting has definitely brought me back into, I guess it's still technically considered some sort of radio, but I don't need an FCC to tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back to the subject. Uh, Monsters, Inc., of course, being a huge hit, but it was the next movie, Finding Nemo, that would get them to their highest box office, highest critical ratings. Wait, I skipped a movie. I just realized I skipped Toy Story 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit, and, you know, I think I brought it up in the, in yeah, the conversation really of the first one, about. technically. Yeah. It's so rare that there's a sequel that is as good or if better than the original, and Toy Story yeah. 2, I think, is better than the original. I think the cool thing about Toy Story 2 is 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 it teaching kids that you know from the first one these are two toys that didn't dislike each other and and had to forcibly partner to to go on and do you know um, I guess coexist you could say and and do it in a in a good manner in Toy Story two you know one of them gets kidnapped quote unquote or yeah. you know taken and you know lo and behold it's the guy that didn't like him at first or they had you know uh, differences and you know, they were kind of against each other and he's the one leading the charge to go and find him and bring him back so um, I think that that's pretty cool it's a really good lesson for for young kids I know that my uh, my best friend uh, he's, he's told me and made it very open to people when we first met he hated me and now we're best friends so um, <laughs> it, it's kind of a cool little little lesson there in that yeah, it's it's about going beyond your selfish needs, knowing what's best for everybody, and teamwork and, and kind of sacrifice. Oddly enough, I've utilized some of those concepts for working retail, especially when you're with a huge team. I did. I always kept in my mind. I always joked that I, I thought myself it was Captain America, but there's a lot of Buzz Lightyear in there too because he put his ego aside and did what was needed for the whole group. 
Yeah, and not just that. It's 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 one of those things where, uh, and it's funny because as he's going through and and really driving, trying to be, uh, you know, able to bring him back to to Andy and and make him happy. But he's even himself. You know, he he loses a bit of his character. I think he his was it his reset button got pushed or something like That's that. That's right. Yeah, or no, it was a different Buzz Lightyear in in this in a store that they found. Um, so I mean, it's a little bit different with the character, but it's just funny to see that again. You know, he thinks he's a real superhero, and and that kind of character development. Yeah. Well, isn't there a scene though where the reset button gets hit, and it turns out it's like in a different language, and they're having a communication? Yeah, problem with we're it? we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's Toy Story three, I Is believe. Is that three? Oh, yeah. Uh, we may never actually get to three because that's uh, Back in Tunes <laughs> is kind of retro, and uh, but I just want to say that I nearly cried at the end of oh, part three. I think everybody was. I like... was like, "Is Pixar seriously <laughs> going to kill off everybody?" I mean, I was so certain that they were done. Yeah, I, th- I think the the part that got me was you know they're they're. Throughout the all movies, they're trying to find a way to, to whether not really survive, but finding a way to solve the problem, or finding you know the the desire and the the heart is there throughout the whole movie, all movies, and then the part that got me at the end was after they're kind of just like accepting impending doom. It's yeah. just like okay, we're yeah. just gonna finally just not try and and just let go, which is which is very heartbreaking because you're used to these characters always trying and giving the effort when when the odds seem insurmountable yeah there was a weird piece in it though that they held together but you're at the same time you're just like no 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 no. my life is hard (laughs) enough i cannot deal with this and lo and behold it's the aliens that uh save them with the claw that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right so we did get way ahead of ourselves but i don't know if we'll ever actually talk about uh toy story 3 maybe years down the road uh, years from now. Okay, so after oh, Toy Story two is also the first time they tried to do uh, human animation, and it's it's the one weak point of Toy Story two is that part because while Wayne Knight's voice work is amazing, watching the animation on him is just it's kind of awkward and weird. Yeah, he, it's a little scary of a character. Uh, <laughs> you think of, and I can see myself in him in aspects of being a fanboy and wanting to get these. You know, highly collectible uh, toys and things that are lost, but it, it's a very, very extreme version of, of uh, nerdum and fandom. Yeah, I've actually met people like that. People who just lose it over certain things, and they'll go to great lengths, even like uh, you know, injuring people. It's like uh, yeah. they have to stop and get a grip on reality and uh, realize. I'm I'm friends with uh, one of the guys that starred in Neverending Stories. And uh, he has a stalker right now who cannot separate reality from the movie. And it's gotten to the point where he wants to run away to a whole different state. He can't even work in the business because this person will not go away. And it's kind of strange when people get so obsessive about something that's fiction. Yeah. That, that they would hurt and, somebody else to get there. Yeah. And, and that kind of reminds me of, you know, those those guys. I know you, you've probably seen them, like, at Target, like, 8 a.m. waiting outside the doors oh. to come in and look at all the Hot Wheels or... Um, all the collectibles. The Lego and... Gropers. The Lego Mini <laughs> Gropers are the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. They will spend two hours molesting a bag. And I'm yeah. like, how do you know what's in there? I mean, it's still so vague, even if you grope it. Yeah, it, it's it's very... It, 
it's taken a little excessively in some aspects, but you know, some people in that movie, they kind of showed that. And I, I mean, you see it every day, which is kind of funny, but especially with me and you working in retail, like we did, uh, you see people coming in and asking for this, that, you know, and asking to see, you know, what, what you guys have in the back for certain ones. I was actually like that for about six weeks back in 96, when they started re-releasing the star Wars toys, I started hearing about the variants and the rare figures, which I think was the first time ever people started doing, like, alternate versions. And, uh, like, oh, well, this is only one per six cases. And I found myself traveling to every single store within, like, four counties. I literally spent one day from, like, 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night driving around with my best friend trying to find Star Wars figures. And at the end of the day, I go, oh, my God, what am I doing? This is insane. There's there's that one or two things that you can be a totally nerd fandom about. Uh, Star Wars, I mean, in my opinion, you get a pass on Star Wars because who isn't <laughs> crazy about Star Wars? I mean, that that 20, 20 plus second uh, trailer that was on TV the other night literally broke the internet for people trying to get tickets. Wow. Like, yeah, I don't know if you if you heard that, but I mean. Some people waited three hours to try to get through all the traffic to get tickets. I mean, I'm completely fine with waiting until ah, maybe a month or two into it showing. And uh, that sounds weird to most people, but I've gotten to the point where I'm extremely patient. Yeah, and, and some in some aspects, patience you know, kind of pays off. You don't have to worry about all the people making noise while you're trying to enjoy the film. And, and just packed, packed you know, theaters, you're getting a... Uh, Settling for a, a corner seat rather than a, something right up middle. Yeah, I uh, only once did I ever like. Oh, you gotta shut up! Don't tell me. I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta go. Like the first night, you know, no one tell me what happened at previous shows, and it was Scream Two of all movies. But was, <laughs> those movies were always about who's the secret killer, and you knew that yeah. somebody would just be like randomly walking by. I can't believe that he was the killer. Like you just ruined it. You gotta have those. Uh, I don't know if you watched. Uh that show how i met your mother but you gotta have those goggles on sometimes when you're yeah. walking into the theater like people exiting like oh my god you know talking about the movie you're about to go see and it's like oh well see ya yeah uh speaking of hotly anticipated sequels we're gonna have finding dory popping up soon which is a sequel to finding nemo which earlier i had tried to bring up then i realized i was completely out of order so finding nemo <laughs> <laughs> yeah back 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 at it you know, I almost think that this is the most loved Pixar movie. I don't think I've ever... Oh, yeah. we. My mom used to babysit a lot. I don't think I've seen a movie replayed more in the house than that one film. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's, it's about fish. You know, something that normally... I mean, I sorry for all your, you fish connoisseurs out there, but <laughs> fish aren't too exciting, you know, when you're watching them. If you have them in a tank, if you go to an aquarium, it's like, oh, cool, you know, fish. You know, people go to aquariums for sharks, octopuses, you know, some other things. But um, to, to take fish and, and have them have a life and have a very exciting story is is, is awesome. You know, I, I'm pretty sure every goldfish in America at, at that time was named Nemo. Yeah. I, I don't think there was a lot of merchandising for Nemo. It's very hard to make action figures out of a fish. Yeah, I, I believe there's some, you know, stuffed animals out there. But, uh, you know, merchandising toys, uh, I don't believe there is anything as far as action figures. Or if there is, it's it's very, you know, small, limited. There really isn't a whole lot of, of uh, toy figurines of, of that. Right. I, I guess the, the ideal behind making stuffed 
Nemo and uh, the other characters that you can finally hug a fish without getting slime all over you or killing you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the voice acting on this is also another one where the pairing up of Albert Brooks and Ellen DeGeneres was just brilliant. Their their chemistry is just top notch. And it's kind of the thing that brought Ellen DeGeneres back because I think her career yeah. kind of hit a dead stop and all of a sudden uh, Finding Nemo comes out, huge hit. Everybody's talking about her performance and then she has that talk show and she's still doing it today. Yeah, and I mean she's... People, you know, are looking up to her. She's a role model in the community now. And, and you know, who who are to think a, uh, a uh, Pixar Disney movie doing the voice acting that can, can boost your career in the way it has for her? Yeah, and I think it's literally the only role that uh, um, Albert Brooks has done that kids can watch. Because <laughs> I think all those <laughs> movies are pretty mature and R-rated. Yeah. Did you ever see Drive when he plays a villain in that movie? That is like astonishing. This like nerdy comedian pulls out this villainous role that just terrifies you. Really, I have not seen Drive yet. Oh my god, that's amazing! It, it's kind of uh, it's one of those movies that you either love it or hate it because they sold it as a Fast and Furious kind of movie, but it's not uh -huh. that at all. It's very slow, meticulous, and it's kind of a retro like '80s neon thing going. Uh -huh. But Albert Brooks is the villain in the movie, and it it surprises you. And I feel terrible now for telling you. I assumed you had seen it. <laughs> well, he's no, a bad no guy. Worries. Just I'll just tell you that he's bad. All right. So when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Michael ruined it. Damn it! I don't want to see it now. <laughs> All right. So with our final movie of the first decade for Pixar is The Incredibles. Yeah, The Incredibles uh, superhero family, and uh, I think it's it's really different. In, in that aspect where you're uh, you're seeing people superheroes you know not really favored in in, in the movie and then they have to kind of go into hiding a little bit which yeah. is really odd because you, you know growing up you know whether it's comics you're reading or TV shows the superheroes are out there they're known of course they have their secret identity which they keep you know the both or try to keep both separate but the uh, the world does not want superheroes and and they get lost, and all of a sudden you're a superhero without a uh, without a job, essentially. And uh, the one thing that I thought was interesting is that this is the movie that Fantastic Four should be. I feel like you should just <laughs> go ahead and skip watching the Fantastic Four movie and just pretend the Incredibles are Fantastic Four because they get everything right. Whereas somehow nobody can get the Fantastic Four, the rhythm, the 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 style correct. Yeah, it's. You know, reboot, reboot, reboot. Uh, you know, I, I probably won't be wasting my time with with the next one, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was very well done, and you know, you get that whole the whole sense of them being a family, and then even them having their, their own superhero, you know, community. Like they they kind of know each other and, and know who they you know each other are, but you know, they kind of look out for each other a little bit. Yeah, I kind of like the meticulous details of what a superhero's life is. Yeah, sure, you love the exciting blow-up fights and everything, but if, if that is all there is, then why do you care? They're just uh, empty shells blowing things up. You want to know the minutia that goes on between those fights. Why do these people connect? Why do they work together? What are their quirks? What makes them want to fight crime? And The Incredibles really gets it right. Yeah, and and so so often you're used to you know these these you know other comic books and and shows about superheroes. You get into the you know Batman is a billionaire um, and not necessarily living a normal you know life or um, 
course, Tony Stark being the genius scientist he is, you know, not a, really a normal life, but you see these superheroes uh, that have normal lives. They're married. They have day jobs, you know, uh, they, you know, the main character is, is of course, like most of us probably just miserable at our day job, trying to just get through the day to the weekend, you know, so where you can have some fun or, or in his case, you know, to the, some, some night, like one night a week, they go out and, and fight a little bit of crime, but not too much. So, um, I think that it does a really good job of, of, you know, normalizing the aspect of a superhero to well, or like, oh, it can be your neighbor. It can be, you know, your insurance claim representative. Yeah, and the fact that they age. They actually age, which yeah. you never see in comic books. Batman has been around forever and ever and ever. And yet, I think he's aged a total of eh, five years. And they keep re <laughs> they keep rebooting the universe so that they never get old. I, I actually found Batman Beyond very interesting because it's one of the few circ uh, instances where they actually advance Batman and they move on to the next generation, which is what they rarely ever do, and it just... It drives me up the wall because you don't really evolve a character. You just keep them kind of in the same place, fighting the same villains over and over and over. Yeah, the uh, they recently did a, a full-length uh, feature film that coincided with the Batman movies. I don't know if you remember. There, there's a, it's an animated Batman movie, but he's older, like he's like on his last legs, and he's oh, we're talking about the Dark severely Returns? hurt. Yeah, yeah. That oh, one. yeah, yeah. I read that comic when I was a kid. That's a that was I think the first time anybody really approached first time, yeah. taking the characters beyond what you know like into the far flung future. Yeah. And uh, I hate it when I have something in my head. Oh, uh, Brad Bird. Now Brad Bird directed uh, the Incredibles. Do you know for the first year I actually called it the Impossibles? It took someone <laughs> finally look at me going, "Why do you keep calling it the Impossibles?" And I go, "What is it called? The Incredibles." Oh, all right, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> L little different. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Brad Bird had bombed with Iron Giant, which is still an absolutely magnificent movie, and I think it's finally discovered yeah. its audience. But thankfully, his talent was finally, you know, face front, very successful, and it's allowed him to go beyond animated movies. Uh, he did Ratatouille next, which I think is my favorite Pixar film. But uh, now he's been doing, like, uh, he did Tomorrowland and one of the Mission Impossibles. He has an eye for really great characters and exciting action sequences. And I think, the, the, okay. oh, they have the uh, even in the story with the Incredibles, you know, going off to a um, an island and doing all these things that that was was really cool, and, and some of the action sequences that you see through there, um, these robots, and of course, you know, some crazy X fan trying to get revenge for um, some of his his lost dreams as a child, you know, because he couldn't be a superhero, he just made himself one. Um, which kind of goes, you know, once again into the realm of creepy, scary fanatics. But um, I, I thought it was it was done really well, you know, for it being a a animated movie, but yet having these explosions in here and and there, and you know, there's this monster taking over, you know, trying to take over the city, and and having that, those action sequences was really well done. The uh, the villains played by Jason Lee, and I was kind of bummed to see that he didn't really embrace the voice acting world. He did do Underdog. But he didn't underdog kind of as himself. I liked yeah. uh, his role in uh, The Incredibles because he kind of changed his persona. And uh, that's what I think was scary is because it was, he was playing it like a hurt little boy that took it to the extreme. Yeah, yeah and you definitely get that from from that voice acting performance that he did. You you hear that in, in I think, the very first time, like, you know, they realize, oh, hey, it was that little boy. Like, you can see... 
and hear every single thing and then just really feel from from the performance what he was going through and it takes a, a great uh, director to kind of bring out exactly the right tones it's it's hard with animation because when you're filming it normally you capture everything right then and there but you have to transfer the voice over to the animation it has to click together so that it makes sense for the audience that it's the right beats you could probably do 900 takes on a voice and still not get it right but that really doesn't happen when it's live action because there's so much going on to distract you if the beat is off a little bit i never thought i'd say yeah and, and unlike in uh, an episode sorry <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's funny the voice acting I, I you know i watched that documentary i think it's on netflix about you know voice voice yeah, acting yeah. I mean, it's, like that. Voice. It's, it's really hard yeah it was really really you know done well i really like that that documentary a lot but you know these these people that's all they have is is this recording you know and you, you see them you know actually being filmed voice acting and they're kind of throwing their hands everywhere and trying to get you know every which way pitch sound frequency of their voice to try to resonate in in what is going to be the recording that's you know that that's it right there so it, it's really interesting because you know you'll never see you know some actors that can do it on film go and try to take their voice through these crazy extremes to, to portray something that's happening yeah and you have to stay in one place you're usually just in a, a sound booth you're staring at an empty wall at best you're staring yeah. at the director talking to you through a glass wall and you can't move away from the mic i even find myself this microphone is like mm, three inches from my face but I constantly find myself lost in thought, like thinking of something, and I'm looking up at the ceiling, and the voice isn't the same. Or I'll look to the side. And they have to stay within that range because they have a direct microphone. They don't have one of those, um, uh, darn it, I forgot the name. There's two different types of mics. One only captures what is exactly right in front of it, and there's some that kind of capture like a big circle all the way around. And uh, I, it just makes... Uh, a lot more difficult if you can't move around. You have to keep staring at the same exact thing and then just kind of pretend you're there. Yeah, uh, eventually they'll, they'll. I'm sure they'll have something where they put it on a headset. You know, a lot of the gaming headsets they have are, are pretty decent, but you know, you have somewhere. Hopefully, they can get that good so where they can kind of move around a little bit, but that might be kind of right there. Yeah, so. well, I think with the Andy Circus revolution of motion capture, I'm starting to wonder if they're gonna. Uh, did they do that with Vin Diesel? Did he wear a suit for Groot? I'm not sure. I I haven't looked into that movie that much, but I know. Uh, not not quite the same, but I know in uh, Halo Five, the new Halo game that's coming out, they did some really good, um, you know, face scanning recognition. I don't know if they had any mics to do that with it, but some of those some of those graphics look scarily real. Okay, yeah, I was just kind of curious because it does seem like it's about time for voice acting because it's been the same for almost a hundred years. You know, just one guy in a booth facing a microphone. Mm. It does seem like it's time now for. Uh, the actor to wear the suit, be in front of the microphone, and they can capture his whole performance and then just transfer that over to animation. The only problem with that, though, is cartoons are kind of a director's medium. They're the ones who lay out the look yeah. of the cartoon. So maybe maybe that won't happen. It's, unless it's like Final Fantasy, where they have the creepy dead eye, like the Polar Express thing going. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, they're doing that a lot with games. You know, a lot of the, the voice actors are are having their their faces scanned into games, or, or even you know a actors and actresses themselves. I believe 
I'm trying to think of a, a, a game that's out that that uses a lot of. I think it was The Last of Us used. Uh, is it Ellen Page? To do, she was a character in there, and they scanned her into the game, and it was her. Like I know, she's really, a, really well done. I was gonna say, I know she's in a different game, but yeah, I, I haven't played The Last of Us. I wanna, I wanna check that out. I, in fact, I haven't even broke it on my Xbox in like two months. Well, yeah, Last of Us is only a, a PlayStation game, so oh. you have to break out a PlayStation. All right, I'm about to get, I'm about to get one. All right, everybody, I think that we've kind of hit everything we wanted to talk about on the first decade of Pixar. What do you think is the pro- I, myself, I have a problem with the second decade of Pixar. I think it's because of Cars and Disney starting to demand the sequels. Yeah, they, you know, Toy Story was was obviously a trilogy that that was done really well, and it seems like now every every Pixar movie that that is coming out is going to definitely have a sequel. Uh, but honestly, like my my favorite Pixar movie is Wall-E, and you know that that'll be bunched in with those. So. Yeah, Ratatouille, Wall-E, uh, and Up are the trilogy that are just absolutely amazing. And then it just kind of, it hasn't been as fantastic lately. Uh, a lot of the movies have been kind of underwhelming. But uh, I think it's funny you mentioned Toy Story. Is uh, The second one was actually supposed to be a directed video release. Disney had some sort of clause with them that they could exercise to make a low-budget sequel. I think they were going to make it for like $20 million. But Pixar had first option. They said, you know what? We have the first option. We're going to take this. Uh, throw away the script and uh, just do it ourselves because we don't want our name put on something that's lesser than, you know? Whereas now, yeah, apparently especially... that whole opinion has changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and especially that that's that's their baby. That's what broke them into, you know, being the success that it was. So I think they probably had a little more sentimental value and, and are a lot more emotionally uh, attached to, to a project like that. Yeah, they're... Uh... They're talking about Toy Story 4, and I think that's just hands-off. Yeah. They finished the trilogy. It's absolutely amazing every yeah. single moment. And uh, to go back now just seems like a cash grab, and I think it kind of it's kind of offensive. Yeah, I mean, you worry about things like that. Uh, I mean, to, to totally nerd out on you a little bit, uh, you know, Bungie was the creator of, of Halo. I'm a huge Halo nerd. So uh, they had their trilogy. And uh-huh. then they sold the rights to Halo 2, 343 Industries, which came out with Halo 4 and a couple of the other, you know, games that are coming out now. But it's like, that's the original trilogy. Like, it doesn't get better than that. These other games are, are decent games, but they go a little wonky with the story, a little crazy and off on, on some other kind of weird tangents. And uh, I mean, I, I can tell you, I probably won't be buying it until it's thirty nine ninety nine. Right. But, well, I'm so yeah. cheap. I wait, I wait for Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the digital downloads and they do like the five dollar ten dollar games i'm like yeah. well i've waited three years for borderlands 2 i guess i'll download it now <laughs> this is a very great game you'll be you'll be happy with that one yeah i've uh, i've actually got through about four levels it's just uh, i don't know for some reason i've just been distracted and i haven't been playing my xbox um so this brings us to the end of this episode andrew thank you very much for coming on as a guest no, no problem at all man anytime all right, so check us out on Facebook. We're under Back in Tunes. We have all our episodes there. And normally during the episodes we do sketches, but I'm not going to throw one at you, Andrew, because there's no prep. That'd be weird. And uh, and we usually have commercial sponsorship, but this time it's a little bit different. It's a little more important and special. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to talk about it without uh, it seeming awkward, but uh, our friend Johnny passed away a couple weeks ago, kind of a kind of a freak accident i don't is that the right word do you want to say um yeah i mean unexpected we he definitely had some some health issues that 
weren't issues at the time, but it was very sudden. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a real surprise. It left us way too young. I wish I had more time to get to know him. I was only working with him for about nine months. You've had much more history with him, but uh, yeah. find ourselves in a you know his family's in a precarious situation where you know obviously he has kids, and if you want to help raise money for you know, his family. Uh, you just I'm gonna put a link with this episode. It's for GoFundMe. It's so they're legit. And um, if you can donate anything, that'd be absolutely amazing. And we yeah, yeah, it would be definitely greatly appreciated. Um, he was 34 years old, so um, you know most of us that are around that age, or me. I mean, I'm I'm 27, but we're not thinking of that. Unfortunately, he didn't have any any kind of life insurance, you know, being that he was so young. So um, any help that you guys are able to, to, to give would greatly be appreciated by his family. Okay, so everybody, the link will be added to this episode. And um, it sounds cheesy, but do it for Johnny. That's uh, <laughs> Do it for Johnny, yeah. That's the one thing I thought of. And I, I really wish I could have been there. And uh, I, feel, I feel terrible that I'm so far away. All right, um, everybody, uh, I don't want to end on a sad note, but it's an important note, at least for us. Uh, that is it for us. Thank you um, for following the show. Share, like, uh, comment, let us know how we're doing with the episode, and I guess that's it. Have right. a good night. Did you want to say anything, Andrew? Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, you're good. Okay, everybody, good night. everybody welcome to stumbling towards adulthood i'm your host michael my co-host tony on the other end how's it going tony not too bad how you doing man <laughs> well <laughs> if anybody knew the torture it took to get this episode going <laughs> we're supposed to do this episode in november and well shit happens i'm sure you've all been there so um hey we're finally here Woo! yeah <laughs> this episode is about mall culture in the 80s and 90s and uh if you don't know what we're talking about, the idea of your post-school weekend kind of lifestyle was surrounded by hanging out at the mall. You know, it was necessarily not even shopping, just hanging out, and how malls have changed over the last couple of decades. In fact, it seems like a lot of malls are starting to dry up and disappear. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, there's a guy on YouTube, this guy named Dan Bell, and he's got a whole uh, series called Dead, a whole Dead Mall series, where he visits these struggling, if not uh, if not yet already close on the verge of closing malls, it's a whole series he does. And of course, he he also does one where like he goes to abandoned malls as well. Which there there there's more and more of those creeping up around the country. Yeah, it's uh. So, so yeah. There's there's the um first like real malls seemed to like pop up in the sixties, but it wasn't until that became part of the teenage culture was around you know eighty one eighty two, especially like. Um, in film, like the reason I played the Go Go's is because that's the opening of Fast Times Original High, and you started to notice. I was oh. just just about to say that, yeah. It's like I was like I don't I don't think I was even aware of it until like uh, Fast Times. Like, wait, you can go just go to the mall just just to hang out? <laughs> that's, that's a thing. Yeah, and then and of course all those jobs you know were held by teen. Uh, well, for the most part, uh, but you started seeing in all the movie TV shows that's where they would hang out after school and on the weekends and. You know, the idea of well, that's what California Valley life was because it was so insanely hot there that no one wanted to be outside during the summer. Right. <laughs> and, of course, in the Midwest, it's so damn cold you needed it from, like, you know, September to March because you'd be freezing your butt off. 
or also if you're a kid, there's just not very, not there's not much to do. You know, like uh, depending on where you live, there's not a whole lot of attractions for like tweens and early teens and mid teens. Like you, especially if you if you don't have a car yet, there's not really a good amount for you to do. Well, you yeah, know, you can only. Well, I just think about I mean, the fact like, that your parents could just drop you off and they knew that you were in one location. Whereas a lot of places where they don't have inside malls or even like there's, there's some California malls where it's probably outside, but it's in a big square. But, you know, you can't just like drop off a kid and like, oh, here's this shopping strip, you know, go to that one or that one. You have no real idea where they are. They could be just wandering up and down the street to different stores just hanging out. Yeah, that's for a good period of time. Like, you could drop, I mean, you can go to a roller rink, which no longer exists either, but you can only do that for so long. You can't do that for like four hours, you know? Or you can go to like, um, I guess you could spend a good amount of uh, time in an arcade, but they're usually in malls as well. At right. Least they, at least they used to. So. It's still there? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, oh. Uh, I, <laughs> so, like you stopped at I was waiting for you to. No, I, no. I, uh, I, 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 yeah, but the arcades, that's one major part of the malls during this time period is. Uh, we had Aladdin's Castle. That was like the big one. I think there was one called Goldmine, and those both kind of dried up and got replaced by other ones once the arcade revival came back. But going to a, uh, an arcade that wasn't part of the mall, it had to be like something like Chuck E. Cheese or uh, um, did you have Tex Ritter there? Have you ever heard of that one? Tex Critter, I mean. No, I've uh, never heard of that one. That might have been regional, but you know they had those, and sometimes they were connected with malls or in the mall. But for the most part, you would have. Uh, like a little tiny arcade there, and sometimes you know during the '80s during its peak, there was like two or three competing against each other. Yeah, for us in my neck of the woods, I mean, there was like a couple games in the Chuck E. Cheese. Not like it is now. Now it's like almost entirely arcades, like video games and those you know the newer versions of them. But back then, it was just like you had the little uh, obstacle courses and things, and maybe like three or four arcades uh, games. You know, a few. Um, they'll, they'll have some like like if you go to a cruise ship, they'll have like a little thing for kids. And in certain casinos, they'll have some where you can drop off your kids while you go gamble. Um, it's not like it's a whole like uh, entity unto itself. Uh, but when I was a kid, you had like two or three games at your local convenience store. Yeah, the and then that was it. And then yeah, and then uh, otherwise you went to an arcade where you play like you know you all these other ones, you know. Yeah, it's, it's weird, like and that's where you variety. find the new hot games. Like, they would always be, like, right up front. As you're walking by, you say, what's this new? Is that Dragon Slayer? What is that? You know, you walk in, and then, of course, as you cycle back, the older, like, the stale. Like, you're talking, like, the pre, like, video games. It was, like, the, you know those crappy ones with, uh, like, you just fling a ball at some baseball player and see if he hits it. It's all mechanical. It's, like, from the 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which have become, like, hot again, the, the, those kind of games. So you can find those, like, Wonderland and stuff, and, like, yeah. in Portland and, you know what I mean, those stuff. Well, those old school. It was like a hipster Brilliant. thing to it. Yeah, now arcades are cool now, um, and they're very skewed towards like hipsters and, and people in their 30s and 40s, uh, you know, like ground control. But back then, it was just like whoever you can grab, you know, get in there. And mostly it was like teenagers, but I remember just like <laughs> just seeing like photos of it. And part of it's what I remember, and part of it's. <laughs> do you remember this movie called Nightmares where Emilio Estevez was obsessed with the arcade and he was fighting like this video game and it came to life? Do you remember this at all? That sounds vaguely familiar. I think it's called the Battle of Bishop or Bishop of Battle or something like that. But, you know, there's always the dudes in there that were, like, scamming other teenagers. Like, yeah, I've never played this game before. I'm terrible at it. And then, uh, but I'll bet you five bucks I win. Like, yeah, sure, if you never played this, I'm totally getting this guy. And it turns out, you know, <laughs> he's just a rounder on video games. I, I used to hate that because there's some people who spent way more time at the mall than you did or than you're able to. Yeah. And so, like, they've been there, they're, they're, they're there all week. And then you, you know, and you get there on a Saturday, and the game's brand new to you because you haven't been there all week. Whenever the game came in, 
And it's like, oh, let me just, the game's empty, amazingly. So let me go and play this out. And then, you you know, and then next thing you know, player two comes like, out of nowhere. Like, oh, man, don't play me, man. I'm just trying to figure this game out. And then, like, <laughs> after three seconds, he, he, he kills you. And then you're like, shit, I like, lost my quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I remember Mortal well, Kombat being the one game that I wanted to play. And every single time, like, son of a bitch, you know every move. I just, you just took my money out of my pocket. Yeah, yeah, like, like I think I'm doing all right now, sitting because of this sick twenty move combo, and then fatalities me, it rips out my spine and shows it to me. Or something. I'm like, what the hell? And it always looked like this kid, this kid who's like, you know, a couple years older than you, uh, had the Hesher hair, you know, his first little baby's mustache, you know, maybe a Skid Row right, right. T-shirt on, a cigarette pack <laughs> rolled up in his T-shirt. And he's like, hey man, you want to play? And you're like in your head going, no, 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 don't play me. And then you're like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it kills you in three seconds. Like, thanks a lot. <laughs> Asshole. And then you and played off you're, cool, you're like, yeah, good game, man. Good game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go play Donkey Kong for a few minutes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so, when, so I, when I was a kid, we lived in a big city. Of course, we had the two malls. Uh, but then I moved to the country. We had no malls whatsoever, just like a couple of shopping centers. So your only video game fix would be like at the video store or the bowling alley. And that was somewhat a long time uh, without really like getting. Like, what's the new games at the arcade? Because you'd always get stuck with the same, like, whatever, you know, fighting game was popular at that time. And NBA Jam. Boom shakalaka. Oh, yeah. He's heating up. He's on fire. Rejected. <laughs> but then you go into one of those arcades, and you're just like, a whole new world. And just, like, lost there for hours. Oh, for sure. Because, like, in my local 7-Eleven, they'd have, like, Spy Hunter and maybe Dig Dug. And then, like, uh, when I go to the arcades, like, Mortal Kombat. What is this? You know? Like, <laughs> blown away what's the this one is amazing i want to it's not rampage but you played like it was claymane and you're a bunch of monsters the crap out of each other i cannot remember what that is oh, clay fighter crap clay fighter. i know you're talking yeah yeah that that was that was pretty cool it's like these like clay like beasts that that fight each other yeah and there was one mall up in um God, i want to say it was somewhere in michigan uh, where i played a holographic game which i still have i've never seen since um but it was like this i tape. remember when i it was like this white kind of like thing with like a black screen in the middle. And it, I know exactly what you're talking about. We had the same one at, at my local arcade. Yeah, and it cost you like a buck to play, which back then was mind-boggling. You're like, everything else costs a quarter, but holy crap, I got to play that at least once. And it, the worst controls yeah. you've ever had. Yeah, it was, it was really hard to like – like you can only play it from like a certain angle because if you, you're off another angle, you can't see it, right? Right. So it was, yeah, it was, it was really odd. And it really wasn't worth the. Uh, I mean, as far as gameplay goes, it wasn't worth the price. It was just you pay. You're playing for like what the novelty. Like, oh, this is amazing. This is the future of video games. It's gonna be a hologram. Because you, you thought you would even never have a cabinet again. Everything would just be like a hologram. Like kind of like that. St- like in Star Wars, they're playing the hologram chess. That was gonna be like the, like the like the, uh, the very next wave. Right. Anytime a game would change like its visual perspective, I'm always confused. I never. And to this day, I get so frustrated by Kubert. Like no, I didn't. I don't understand how angles work in this game. I just flew off again and died. <laughs> or Zaxxon. That was it's supposed. To, yeah, it's supposed to be three D, but it's not three D. It's yeah. like you know, it's yeah, totally, totally flying off the edge all the time. Yeah, it's just funny how arcades changed though. You know, like around eighty four, eighty five, they started to die off, and then you know you didn't really get this. You had like one left, and it was always like kind of the junky one where the like the the skeevy kids were hanging out, and all the games were kind of broken down, and then all of a sudden it switched yeah. from being like. I don't know if you want to say a den of like kind of uh, sketchy behavior to like these big like they start bringing in virtual reality machines and all the all the games now you like have to like ride on or something it's like you know it's either got a huge gun it has a big interactive instead mm-hmm. of just your straight up hey uh, two controls and, and two buttons and that's it 
Yeah, because it really wasn't so much like uh, player on player. It was more like you know player in this immersive environment. So yeah, they started like coming up with like the, the driving cabinets and the giant shooting cabinet, you know, shooting uh, games, which are which are still pretty popular as far as as far as video games go. I have no problem playing sure. those, but it kind of it changes the feel of how you're interacting with the game. And plus, it seems so many little kids there now, and it's like this big family event. And of course, they always have like some sort of pizza joint next to it, or or uh, some sort of restaurant kind of thing. So, because you know those games are expensive as hell now. I mean, back then they probably cost you six hundred dollars at most for a cabinet. I bet you now it costs them like three thousand, four thousand for some of those. There's so many. Yeah, you really you're really trying to like get a return on your investment. So yeah, some of those are like a dollar, two dollars. You know what I mean? You know, or or if it's like in tokens, you know, who knows how many tokens that oh, they they you know the tokens. I used to collect. I used to go to every place I could. Uh, to get tokens, and uh, I had a little bag filled with. Each time I'd go to one of those places, I collect them, and I have no idea whatever happened to that bag. I don't know if I got bored and traded them off, but I bet you some of those would be collectors' items right now. Yeah, especially like some of the ones that that went belly up. But it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, an odd business model because it, it does keep you you can't use those anywhere else. Right. So it does keep you there, and if you only have one and you need two to play the game, well, you got to go break another dollar. So you know you can so. They're constantly getting you to spend money you otherwise wouldn't wouldn't want to spend in there. Yeah. Oh, back to what I was talking about earlier. I forgot. Uh, Tex Ritter was this kind of it was like Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz Pizza, except it wasn't like you know the huge separate building. It was just like a strip, like you know the same size of a, of a normal arcade. And they had like the little snack bar and you know, your prize bar, and then they had a bunch of games. Most of them were very young oriented. Um, apparently, I, it's just a thing where I lived. I, I don't know if it was a franchise or not, not, unlike the other two, where you go into Showbiz Pizza, and the thing is a friggin' behemoth. They got one room that's just a showroom with those animatronics and the, the crappiest pizza you've ever had in your life. And then, you know, like two rooms filled with other things, like, you know, games and whatnot. Uh, but Tex Ritter, yeah, it was just a really tiny little... Um, some of the, sh- the South Jersey uh, short points, um, like the uh, little beach areas, uh, ha- have, like... Uh... Have these little arcades that are uh, some are some are standalone and some are like attached to like another like a uh, little roller coaster uh, pavilion deal, but uh, they seem to be doing pretty well down like in Wildwood, uh, Ocean City, uh, New Jersey, probably Ocean City, Maryland too. Of course, I haven't been there forever. I don't really remember what they have, yeah. but they kind of thrive there. But of course, you know, the peak season is the summer. They kind of dry out in the winter, so you know. Yeah, and then of course uh, up yeah, in Portland much. we have Wonderland, which is like it's not they're not connected to malls at all. They just like find usually old theaters and they convert them to arcade and uh, uh, it's like nickel games and stuff like that. And most of the games are really really kitty oriented, but they got a few like grown up games. But like I said, if you had made Wonderland back in the eighties, it would look more like the way Ground Control is. You know, really tight spaces, lots of old school games. Right. Um, you accidentally touch people's butts, whether you it was okay or not. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and for, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, Ground Control, it's a retro arcade in in, uh, in downtown Portland. But uh, speaking of uh, Wonderland, um, like I, I'm coming back to Portland and I'm staying at a B&B um, off of Belmont, and they have a Wonderland on Belmont. So nice. I'm like, oh great, because I've never actually I've never actually been to one. I hear a lot of people talk about them. Yeah. I've, o- I've only been to Ground Control. I've, I've never been to a Wonderland, so I, I am a 
I'm ac- I am uh, pretty excited to fi- finally go into Wonderland. A lot more room, trust me, on this one. But yeah, uh, back to the malls, though. Those arcades were always like really tightly knit, dark little room. That's usually where bad things happen. But um, besides the arcades, though, the other um, thing of amusement that you found a lot of malls was the either roller rink or the ice skating, which I think most malls have gotten rid of because the insurance was so insanely high on it. Yeah, um, now... I, my particular mall never had one. Um, the last time I saw an ice trick in a mall is at the Lloyd Center in Portland. Actually, that's the only time I've ever seen one. I hear it's pretty common in other malls, but I, I, are, are, are any of the malls that I've ever been to in the greater Philadelphia area, for whatever reason, never had any. But, uh, yeah, I have seen one at the Lloyd Center in, uh, in northeast Portland, and that one's that's pretty impressive. It's like, you know, it's like, whoa, inside? You have an ice trick inside a mall? as as if shopping weren't enough, amazing. Yeah, a yeah. lot of them got rid of them, though, because either they wanted the space to rent out or uh, they found the insurance costs were too high. Uh, I would thought it was poor decision-making because I don't think they realized that the Internet was right around the corner. You know, all the shopping could be done there, and then the malls started, like, drying up. <laughs> I've been many a mall yeah. where, like, empty, empty, filled, empty, empty, filled. And, you know, if they kept something like the ice rink, which most places don't have one in there, that they would bring people back in. So I think it was kind of short-sighted. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think of what other attractions besides just stores my, my local mall had. I know there was, like, my local average kind of on the crappy side mall. Then there was the great mall that was across town that, like, you, know, you went to rarely. Yeah. But on occasion you went to it. It's just, like, you always blew your mind. Uh, the, our particular mall was called the, uh, the King of Prussia Plaza in Court. It was uh-huh. two different malls like the one area king of prussia is the name of a town it's like you know and uh but this mall was amazing it's like it's the uh second it's the largest mall on the east coast second largest mall in the country wow but they had the they had better better versions of everything so like our, our, we had an all right arcade in the fluid meeting mall called supercade but they had spaceport it was way better the games were way better everything was way more new you know yeah we had but, the, uh, uh, it, it was, look, we had the south town mall and the Glenbrook Mall. One was in the uh, kind of poorer side of town, and one was right in the heart of the city. And uh, I think I'm quoting Chris Rock here. He goes, your town always has two malls, the one where people shop and the one where white people used to shop. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's true That's true to some extent. I mean, um, depending on what you need. If you wanted, needed something fancier, more high-end, high you definitely would go to, uh, like, the, the across-town mall. If you wanted something just more like, you know, one of the mill, uh, just normal, just for uh, you know utilitarian purposes, you would just go to your your average yeah. local mall. My my father actually worked at the mall. He worked at the Sears there, and I remember as it was falling apart, I was like, "Huh, I could have swore this whole strip was filled." And all he got is like one. You know when the mall's starting to go out of business, and there was a weirdo companies there that just found out the rent was so cheap, like indoor golf. Why is there an indoor golf place in the middle of the mall? <laughs> it's really tiny too. It's like six holes, you know, stuff like that, and. Uh, uh, here, used hats. No, that's, <laughs> I'm going to go to the local sports shop and get a new hat. It's always felt like the really sketchy stuff there. And, of course, the food court was the one place to stop. And um, you could tell how good your mall was based on what, what restaurants were there. If you knew, like, oh, Sparrow, Chick-fil-A, um, and there's always, like, a, a, the Great Wall kind of thing there. But if you had never heard of any of them, you're like, oh, this is sad. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they all have some kind of uh, take on the Chinese Express. Uh, some of them you find like McDonald's in the in, in the uh, the food court, which is unusual. Yeah. It's like, aren't they already ki- kind of express? How are you going to make McDonald's more express? <laughs> but you know, and there's always like a subway. They thought they found how, a way. How is it the subway oh. found its way into every single nook and cranny, entire country, and wiped out every other deli? 
I didn't, I didn't, I never saw, I never saw it happening when it, when you know, was going on. Like, and for the longest time, like my area never had a subway. Remember when it first came out? We, like, think weird things got introduced to my neck of the woods in the early '90s. Subway, Taco Bell, they didn't exist before that, before 1990 in like in the you know suburban Philadelphia. And I was wow. like, what are these places? And then next thing you know, they've taken over everything. I was like, how did this infestation happen? You know. Yeah, your Especially local like mom and pop kind of restaurants where there's just like one or two of all of a sudden dried up and just... Well, that's what like like Philadelphia and like its suburbs was always their strength was like their delis, their pizzerias. That was like you know what I don't I wouldn't say it's what they were known for like New York is, but they was they were pretty strong and they they always did pretty well. But next thing you know, like these express corporate chains just came out came in, came over and just kind of like a just I don't know I don't know if it, I think originally it was a novelty and then it became the uh, the price. And then it became the uh, the speed yeah. that that took a uh, that took priority priority over uh you know over quality. What was the strange. giant cookie place? There always seemed to be a place there. It might in fact have been called Giant Cookie Company. I can't remember, but you always uh, went there, and they always had like these behemoth cookies that were bigger than your skull. And you're like, they, my God, that looks amazing. Yeah, they still exist. Uh, I think one was called the Cookie Store, but there was like another one that I saw not so long ago. And they um, all these I can't remember for life of me. I would just I can't remember the name. But yeah, they ha- always had those. You could buy like you know individual cookies, or hey, do you want do you want a cookie cake? Like you know a cake <laughs> yeah. size cookie. And like I-, I never did before, but right now I kind of do. I don't know why. <laughs> but they never tasted as good as they look. They're like oh, oh yeah, it was in there a little long, wasn't it? Yeah, it's e- it's easier to you know have quality control over a smaller smaller cookie than it is like a giant you know uh, what's it called um, uh, steam you know whatever those uh, what are the things they uh, on the streets the uh, God damn it! I'm the, the most massive brain fart today. My brain it's, is uh, going away. We're getting old, dude. We're getting old. <laughs> I, for for sure. Yeah, at least my at least my brain is for sure. Now, what is it uh, you're talking about? I'm sorry. Well, what are those? Uh, you know, where you go in the sewer, the top, the size of those little lids. Uh, Manhole. I'm just gonna say sewer lid. Manhole cover. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cookie. It's the size the size of a manhole cover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what you're talking about. For a second there, I got lost. I was like, you ate food near a sewer? What are you talking about? That's gross. You know, <laughs> circular food sewer thing that you eat. You know what I'm talking about. No no idea. <laughs> um, and, of course, there was the other places that weren't – they were never in the uh, little food court. They are always kind of like on the way you're there. You're like you, you passed Orange Julius. Back when Orange Julius only served – orange instead of like 80 different flavors right. and snacks and that's the weirdest thing that's happened with food is like these things that used to be simple choices um become these menus that are so like i don't know where i'm going on this where you just have a taco you're called taco bell right where's a taco and uh i think that's why like places like in and out burger have taken off because it's just like three things real simple move on but you, yeah. you remember when orange julius was just orange julius right yeah, that that and like the uh, the other mall, it was at, for some reason it was at the other mall, not at my local mall. But that was a, that was its own independent store. It, it wasn't part of the food court. Oh, and it, it did real well. Yeah, it was you know. But I I can uh, I can see why they'd be popular as a food court. For whatever reason, they weren't in the food court. They were just off off to the right a bit. You know, you know, a separate little entity. Yeah. And some kid, places were like that too. Yeah. As a kid, I loved you know. them, but I realize now that it's like ninety percent ice. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and it's it's a little weird mixing dairy with. Cit- with citrus it's, yeah. it's a strange you know it, like if you try to do that yourself it wouldn't work it would curdle it would just be gross yeah but somehow they thought they found a way to make it a to make it blend and emulsify where that doesn't happen but yeah, yeah don't don't try making your own orange julius you'll definitely have some curdled grossness on your hands you know 
And it's, it's weird, though. It's like every mall now is planned with, like, every 40 steps, there's some sort of eatery place. Like, oh, well, here you get your chocolate. So here you get your pretzel. Here you get your uh, hot dog. Um, but some of those malls, you had to go the whole damn thing. You're like, uh, the 60th shop I went to. Where's the food cart? Where's that map? And you never understood that map. You constantly find yourself going, no, way. hold on. Which direction am I pointing? No. Did someone flip this thing inside out? Because this isn't making any sense. If I'm here and then I take a time warp over to there somehow, I would get there some sometime before the end of the day. I don't. Yeah, it's, and it's also hard to adjust for like levels because then you're here, but on this level, you know what I mean? Like you need to go over here to this stairwell. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, I gotta go to the stairwell all the way across the mall to get to where I am, but on the next level up. I'm like, yeah. damn it, it's gonna. Or the escalators, those monstrous escalators. I never had a really huge problem with them, but. When my sister was, I think, five or six, her shoelaces got caught in one of those escalators. And um, let's just say for a while we couldn't take escalators. We always had to take the elevator because she was terrified that her foot would get sucked under. Shit, yeah, I can imagine. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is, you know, it always seemed like two different cultures. If you were a girl, you were there strictly to shop. Whereas if you're a boy, you were there to watch the girls strictly to shop. You would like you would do a little shopping, like you go into the the movie store and the arcade and stuff like that. But you find yourself constantly just sitting out <laughs> out in the middle of like one of the hallways with your pals, going, "Oh, check her out! Look at that! Look at that!" And like, of course, their hair was always huge because this is during the era of like uh -huh. you know, uh, hair metal, so everybody had the massive hairsprayed hair. Well, there was really no other place that you kind of scout out. I know it sounds creepy, but <laughs> scout out girls. I mean, aside from school. You know what I mean? You can only do that for a short period of time in between classes. Um, here you can just sit on a bench and, like, your friends are, you know, on a railing and just like, ooh, there you go. <laughs> Whoa, nobody oh, nobody's right. ever looked like they were trustworthy if you're hanging off a rail. <laughs> just, like, leaning over. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Ooh. <laughs> oh, look at this. Look at this nice, upstanding young citizen just, uh, <laughs> just, just loitering about, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I was always a nerd. I had my little group of friends. We'd hang out at the mall, and uh, there was always that group like, no, let's not go that way. They're going to beat us up. Yeah, it was just like, uh, I mean, like, I was aware that people shop there, but it's really, uh, especially on a Friday night, I'm like, well, I'm not going to shop on a Friday. It doesn't make any sense. You know, all my shopping, like, you know, the stores are all open. You could totally do that. But like, I carry the bag around. It's like a whole thing I got to do. Like, no, nah, I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm here to, like, gawk. And loiter. That's all you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to do. The mall cops must have had so much fun on Friday and Saturday. Like, like, oh, son of a bitch, I'm going to call in sick. I don't want to deal with this. Uh, we were such assholes, too. I couldn't even imagine. Like, God, deal with these fucking kids, you know. And, like, and we were, like, we would do stuff in the mall that was, like, jackass before jackass. Oh, boy. We wouldn't, like, you know, there's before YouTube. So we would just do it for our own amusement. Like, you know, we just get, like, whoopee cushions and just, like, hit them off, like, around people's, oh, excuse me. And we thought that was, we thought we were being so funny. We were, like, the most annoying little shits. I, I couldn't can't even imagine, but, you know. I, I, must, I was on the exact opposite spectrum. I was the, the good kid, you know, just, like, spending my time in the comic shop that was there. I wandered around with, like, one or two friends. Never really got into any trouble, but there was always, like, a group. I remember one time, you know how every mall has, like, the sword knife place? You know, I was like, ooh, that's from the movie. Yeah. You know, it's from Rambo and Highlander and stuff like that, so it's always kind of cool to look at those. And I remember stepping out of one just as some guys were, like, going, and then we were like, where's Waldo? And I walk out, and I look like Waldo, and they laugh so hard, and I felt so embarrassed, and they turned right back around and walked in the knife store until they left. <laughs> Matter of fact, give me the biggest samurai sword you got right now. <laughs> actually, <laughs> we can borrow it for two hours, and I'll bring it back. Oh, I was so wimpy. I wouldn't even lift the thing. I was like, oh, no. okay, go ahead, pummel me. Sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, we would just we would just like hang out at a mall for hours, and then like, um, what's weird about our mall is you know, it also had a liquor store That's attached weird. to it, which was yeah, it, it, this was a bizarre mall to begin with. The liquor store was actually adjacent to the arcade. Oh, <laughs> of course. It was so strange. It's like, it's like, it's like they're like, I want delinquents in this mall, as many as possible. Jeez, uh, how could we set that up? Arcade, sure. Uh, liquor store, I like where you're going. Let's keep those together. <laughs> Let's make, make your delinquent factor as large as possible. And we would totally – we also had a movie theater. Yeah, I was mall. about to say, the so movie, we would, movie theater was always nearby. So we would um, – uh, so the one time we went to the arcade for a while, we got some guy to run in. You know, you had your typical mall rats. Uh, we were like – and we were like casual mall rats. We just hung out there, like, you know, a couple, three or four of us, maybe on a Friday or Saturday. But these are the guys with, like, the long pants and, like, the uh, the chains that went to the wallet and their back oh, pocket or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And they were, like, they were they were hardcore full-time mall rats. And one of them was, like, 21 or whatever, but hanging out with 16- and 15-year-olds. That's weird. Like, hey, man, you get... Yeah, that's, that's, that's normal, right? You know? And then... uh so we got him, of course, to run and get us some uh, some high quality Mad Dog, you know, twenty twenty. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So we uh, snuck some of that into the movie theater. I think we went. To, I'm pretty. Yeah. I'm on a positive. Note. We went to see CB4, drunk as hell, all watching CB4, and then uh, stumbled our stumbled our way home from there. That was a pretty pretty full full evening of a. Uh, you know, hijinks at the uh, mall in the early 90s. Yeah, I cannot recall watching a single movie at a mall. Uh, technically, Glenbrook Mall had a movie theater, but it wasn't connected. It was, like, out in the far end of the parking lot, so I'm not going to count that. Uh, I don't think I saw a movie in the mall until Avatar, which is weird, but I honestly don't recall ever seeing one because it seems like um, once the 90s hit, all the malls uh, had shut down their movie theaters and had moved them. Uh, either across the parking lot or they weren't there at all. They just went out of business, got replaced by some multiplex, some place down the road. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the mall movie theaters are small. They could only have like two showings, you know. So they had like about two theaters, and then they had like like uh, you know, two different ones at a time. And, and they were like a, they were kind of staggered, a little more, uh, uh, like a little more staggered, like longer because they only have the the, uh, the two screens. So you couldn't have like you know five different showings and one movie going on, you know. Right. No, no. The three three D version of the same movie at a different thing like twenty minutes later. Yeah. So, but I remember I remember seeing like uh, Jurassic Park the first one and see um, before those are the two ones I can remember. The, the rest are kind of a blur because it was going in like like you know the mid eighties which I don't remember so well. The but, uh, yeah. I remember the one being the midnight you know like where they would show Rocky Horror Picture Show and, and the Wall which were constantly like those two are like the major like let's get high and go watch a movie at midnight. But I remember Buckaroo Banzai being another one of those for a short while, and that uh, I was like, this is crazy. I've never even heard of any of these movies. And, you know, they only ever showed at midnight. You know, during the day, of course, it was the normal stuff. But that's the way a lot of those movies in the malls went. Either they started, like, restructuring so they were a diner slash movie theater, or they started catering to, like, um, kind of obscure movies, like, for the midnight audience. Yeah, that, but see, that's unusual, then, because then you have to have a separate uh, separate entrance. Like, like some movie theaters had a separate entrance at the mall. Anything past mall closing hours, you have to have, like, yeah, yeah, a separate yeah. entrance. So, so if your movie theater was inside the mall, it's all the way inside the mall, you you couldn't do that. So, which was the case of our mall, but they just had to get rid of it altogether. They weren't they weren't seeing, a, a, I guess, a big enough return on their investment. And then there was a big multiplex down the street, you know, which... Which other people went to, but oddly enough, my my mall it's still there for some reason has a church. The Plumian Mall has a church in the mall. It's called Church on the Mall, <laughs> and it still exists. It's, it's the craziest thing. I remember I used to um, we used to go through the one entrance, and they'd be doing square dancing 
at the mall. And what? like, you know what I mean? Like, like, why, like, why is Square Dancing a thing? Why is it in a mall? And why is there a mall? You know I will I mean? never like, understand make sense. Square Dancing. I was like, oh, you want to do something to a rhythm and get vertigo. Okay, let's all spin around in a square. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is like, you know, this is, I always thought that as more of a country kind of thing. Yeah. We're like about 10 minutes outside of Philadelphia. I don't understand why this is going on here. But like it's it's still it still exists. Now it's really popular for like uh like uh former drug addicts and former alcoholics and a friend of mine goes there all the time. He's always checking in uh at the church on the mall. I keep like what the I'm like, oh that's right, you you're you're an NA and AA, okay. So that's why you're there. So they all have they all have like uh alcoholic and narcotics anonymous uh, meetings at the mall now. Yeah. I guess that's the bulk of their business. And then I guess they occasionally have uh you know, uh, masses or sermons or whatever they do in uh, churches now. So I guess that happens too. But I'm so shocked that that's still there. That's the one thing I'm like, that that should be getting out of here immediately. Who's going to the mall for, for church? <laughs> Not this guy, you know. It's, it's it's the religion of commerce. True, yeah. That's, that's like from, uh, yeah, from, from, from one religion to another, you know. Um, I know the one, the, the Southtown Mall, I think it eventually got turned into like either retirement homes or old folks' home. I don't know how they had to remodel that whole building. But I remember when it was at the very end, they only had like four or five major businesses left. And I'm just like, this is the kind of place that if you got taken over by zombies, it's, a, it's the only thing left. It's the only reason this mall still stands is a case of a disaster. It's a place to hold up. Yeah, a lot of malls have like retrofitted their malls to make it seem more modern. But in doing so, they've made it seem way more cold and sterile. Which was the case, like at, at my local mall, it was like, um, I don't know, I don't know who the designer was, but like, accessibility is way different. Like, they have like two sets of escalators, and they're at opposite ends. Whereas back in the day, you'd have like, you'd have escalators, but then you have like little small little winding stairs to get up to the next level, and, uh, and d- different ways to get to different levels. But it's like, it's, it's very strange. Like, they now it's mostly um, it's designed to have those little um, carts and kiosks in the middle. Yeah. I guess that's it's easier for them to do business that way. Less brick and mortar places, um, and it's just yeah, it's really it's really odd. It see it seems like a it seems almost like a like a like a Saturday market version of a you know of a mall, as far as used to be like you know, you, you, every everyday uh, brick and mortar stores are kind of like uh, being, uh, going away uh, and being replaced by the, uh, the smaller little. Little, little eyebrow clinic carts or your little lotion <laughs> carts or whatever, you know? Yeah, that wasn't even a thing when we were kids. I don't remember any kiosks uh, or carts and people bugging you to no end. I was like, can I do my shopping in peace? Can I come to you instead of you coming to me and bugging me about your new cell phone cover? It's like a whole cart of just cell phone covers. It, it's it's super specific, and I bet you they pay hardly any rent. But I got to tell you, there are times oh, yeah. I'm like, don't spray that perfume in my face. All right, get up, get, go away. Yeah, yeah. When did all the carnival barkers invade the mall? Holy shit! <laughs> Get lost, man. The uh, the Glenbrook Mall, the one that was in the in the heart of town, um, they had a very homey feel. But I don't know if it's changed because I haven't been back in forever. But Johnny Appleseed was a big thing in Fort Wayne, and so they kind of had that feel in the mall. So there's trees everywhere. In fact, they even had this like little pipe of stores. Like it was like six stores, and you go through this little tunnel. And it was all made up to look like the orchard. You know, just the whole walls were covered in trees and vines. And it was a very warm feel. And I heard they took that part out, which is a shame. And like you said, they, they turned into this cold feeling kind of kiosk-oriented shopping experience yeah. instead of like, this is a place to feel comfortable while you're shopping. Yeah, same way with our mall. They had like, uh, they had trees and a little little bush area. And they had fount- uh, multiple fountains. Oh, yeah. And, fountains uh, and now it's... Yeah, now it's just this, like, you know, it's just uh, shiny granite and marble-looking facades, uh, glass, exterior, you know what I mean? So they're making it look more modern 
but in doing so, it's it's way it's way more cold and sterile. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't seem it doesn't feel warm and inviting at all. There's one place in the mall that uh, I went to all the time in high school, and I look back and I'm wondering why I was so obsessed with Chess King. Why did I buy clothes from this company nonstop? I think ninety percent of it was rayon, rayon garbage. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, we had one. We didn't have Chess King, but we had something called um, uh, City Blue, which is like an urban kind of uh, yeah. more on the. Ur- more on the urban side, and then we had a merry-go-round that was in the other mall. But that was like, yeah, it was like all your favorite fashions rolled into one joint. Your your jinkos and your etc. You know what I mean? And then yeah, like clothes made out of like flammable material, you know, and like rubber and <laughs> alternate to like normal textiles. It's yeah. like you know. Well, it was like the country folk. You would shop at like the Buckle or something like that. You know, they kind of geared towards. Um, small town kind of uh, you know, not really cowboy wear but like your your typical like small towny kind of thing and it was the hip hop store and then there was the preppy store and I found myself in the preppy store way more than I thought I would be well yeah I mean it's the first time I've ever been introduced to a gap was in, inside of all and that, Navy. that became the place uh, well, Old Navy, yes, in the mid '90s, but but Gap was was the first time I've ever seen a like, store like that. Where what are these places? And it was very like uh, some of it was just very basic looking clothing, but for like a, for a pretty good price. Yeah. And then first I'm like, I'm not buying this, but then you feel see that it's cool. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll guess I'll be buying some Gap stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then if you ha- walk, walk out, if you walk around the mall with a Gap bag, you kind of have like this little instant kind of cool status. Like, oh, this guy knows what's up. He just went to the Gap. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I remember there was always a leather store. You could smell that leather store for like most of the uh, mall. Like I smelled that. Oh, uh, somewhere for sure, yeah. And you find you come in like, oh my god, it's so much leather. <laughs> smells like a tannery in here. What's going on? Oh, there, there, there's a local Wilson's. Okay, I see. You know. Yeah. There's always some like. There's always some guy coming out of there like fifties with a handlebar mustache. Oh, I got my new little. What what what's the little tassels that come off the jacket? You know, like the western oh, wear. Yeah. You know, yeah, fringes that yeah, are on there, fringes. yeah. They're always wearing one of those. I'm like, oh, you're going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> well, in, in like, you know, in, in reality, they were really crappily made. They're all like, they have like a thousand, they're all stitched together, like a million different seams. So it's really not like quality, even quality leather, you know. The, the, a, a good thing that won't rip and will last a long time is something that has very little seams, you know, like large, large sheets. They're like a million different seams. And then that, but that became cool. You wanted a little... Um, stitching all together and then possibly multiple colors of leather that's even better yeah you know or if you were cool enough to have one of those eight ball leather jackets oh my god the eight ball i forgot about those (laughs) game over (laughs) holy shit those eight ball jackets those are like the thing to get in 1991 uh yeah totally yeah, they were they were so cool until they became not, and then it was like a, a day later they became not. Yeah, well, we yeah, talked was, about this on our fashion strange. episode, is where like something was really yeah. really hot until everybody got it, like bum equipment and stuff like that. And also, nope, nobody else wants it. What was the one with the little metal plate? They had like this heavy metal plate that was usually on the front of the shirt or the back of the pants, and it would always stretch your shirt out because it was so heavy. Yeah, that's very strange. Like I hate having things on my butt, so I can't imagine that being. You know what I mean? I feel like somebody. Put a sign on me or something. What is that scraping against my ass when I walk? Like, oh, it's a giant metal plate that I bought with it. That's right. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I remember about the mall, and I think they've kind of dried up as well, is, of course, your record store and your video store. I was always Wooden Nickel for music and Suncoast for video, and I think both of them are pretty much gone. Yeah. Like, uh, it's funny you should mention that. I was I was going to send you a video uh, somebody took of, like, my local mall, but they had a Suncoast. They had... Um, Two different, two different record stores. So they had 
the national chain record store, Sam Goody, and then they had the um, sorry, they had three record stores. They had a We Three Records, which is a local one. They had the Wall Records, which was another local one, and then they had Sam Goody, which was like a national yeah, chain. Yeah, I remember saying. And that, they yeah. all did very, yeah, they all did very well. They all they all did, you know, and I would go there to buy like a, I always go there to buy a cassette single. Cause I don't, I don't want to buy the whole album, but I do like those. I do like that one song in the B side, so I'll buy that cassette single. Cause I'm broke, and that's really all I want anyway. You know. I remember looking everywhere, high and low for Filter. They had done. I can't remember this the song that they did, but it was a remix. I think it was Hey Man, Nice Shot. You know, their big hit. But there was a like techno, faster paced version of it, and they said they had put it out in singles that was exclusive to like record stores. And I found it like three years later up in Michigan of all places and uh, paying like seven ninety nine for one song and a remix version of that song. And that's what we did back then. We didn't pay a dollar on iTunes for a track. We had to hunt this thing down. And like you said, cassettes, you know, just for uh, the A and B track. And uh, the record stores also charged full price. And back then that was like sixteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And we're always like, ooh, man. And this is before you could just go to Walmart. You had to save up, you know. You couldn't get it nine ninety nine the first week. Oh yeah, and then once they finally rolled out CDs, like what? Like I'm gonna pay twenty dollars for a CD? What do, you, what do you think I am, Nelson D. Rockefeller? I can't afford that. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, I never, I never yeah, bought a record in my life. I by the time I started really buying music, I pretty much had movies. But I do remember my truck being filled with lots of cassettes that were not taken care of very well. Oh yeah, you'd have to have put those in some kind of giant tackle box, and it was <laughs> they were real, real cum- really cumbersome. They took up so much room. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, yeah, I just miss those, and I uh, I remember Suncoast Video or a video store like it. You know, you you find like the most obscure movies, just like in some little corner for you know like five bucks because they're sick of carrying it, and that's the only way you could find these movies. You didn't have YouTube, you didn't have illegal downloading, you didn't have Amazon to go through their whole catalog of what's out there. Oh yeah, and like and at some point, like you didn't know you could get like a whole season of of, of a show. Like, wait, they made. There's a whole season. I can acquire this and watch this whenever I want? Yeah. Are you serious? Oh, there yeah. was a time was, there was, where it mind. was two episodes for a cassette, and it was nine ninety nine. You're like, I get to watch two episodes of Star Trek for 10 bucks. That seems like a reasonable bargain. But I can watch it whenever I want. I don't have to you know, wait till it comes on TV at some, some random time. You yeah. Know? yeah, for sure. I think I've run out of things to say about mall culture in the 80s and 90s. Anything else you have? Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. You know, we just, that was pretty much my experience was just hanging out, staring at people. Occasionally, I would have the balls to talk to a girl and get rejected for the 30th time that night. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it depends. It depends how, how brave I was feeling. Do I feel like getting, getting rejected and having a good laugh at, at my own expense? Or do I just want to stare at people like a creep for like the duration of the night? I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I'll play it out. Well, it we'll seems see. like malls have changed now because now it's just about getting in, getting out, get your stuff, move on. There's no. Because, uh, you know, back then, you didn't really have really good home consoles to play video games, so you had to go there to play the games. Um, and your friends, you didn't have Facebook and Skype, so that's how you'd run into people. You're like, hey, how's it going? How are you? You know, that's the only way you really communicated. But that's completely well, yeah, it was, dead now. It, it was about hanging out. Now, all of a sudden, everything's expressed. You want to get get shit done, you know, yeah. multiple things at once. You know what I mean? I got to get – it's like, you know, almost like you're, you're like – having a Windows version of your life. Let me uh, click on this tab and this tab. Let me do this. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Then you're just like, I'm just going to hang out for the next couple hours, see how things go, you know? Yeah, Pretty the one it. thing that hasn't changed, though, is, oh, my God, we're parked a mile away. I don't even know where we are. Did you even look at the letter in the parking lot first before we left? Oh. Did you? No. Well, I don't... <laughs> so you find yourself like an hour. Yeah. <sighs> like, like that classic Seinfeld episode yeah. you know, in the mall. <laughs> just, you know? 
What entrance did we come in? No, I'm pretty sure it was over there at that. No, we came in over by the pretzel place. No, we didn't. We came over by the, the gold place. There's always, a, there's always a gold coin kind of place there that no one was ever there. You know, you walk in, you'd be like, oh my god, I haven't seen anybody in years. <laughs> What's it like out there? Uh, the one, the one, uh, the fancy mall had a tobacco shop too. Which oh, was yeah, is, yeah. Is that point, and there was, you weren't allowed to smoke in the mall anymore at this point, you know, but they had a tobacco shop, and then you'd have like your fine smokables, your pipes, your cigars, and like, you know, your, your crazy obscure cigarettes. <laughs> I remember. There was a place there that you could make, and I think most malls still have one of these. Um, oh, yeah. And then they would have like a whole wall of like uh, pictures or whatever, like you know, like the way we have with posters. You know, you just flip through them and you find what you want put on the T-shirt. And I remember 1984 getting one that had breaking on, it, and I wore that thing oh, until shit. it fell apart. I love the whole <laughs> idea. I never broke dance in my life, but I love the idea of it. Yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, they always have like a little, uh, what's a little, little spray. Uh, what's it called? Air air spray. Little uh, messages on there, and then other there's other kiosks you could like uh, bedazzle it or something crazy. Uh, another thing where I don't want chunky stuff on my shirt, man. I get my hand caught on it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I you'd be hard pressed to find any of those anywhere nowadays. They're yeah. just so so not not in vogue. Well, now you get all those specialty shirts online. You know, you go through the, you know like Cool Tea or Tea Republic and stuff like that, and they got eight thousand shirts in their catalog. It's almost too many choices. You can't find the right thing. That's that's the thing that's changed yeah, though. Is that the mall? You kind of dealt with what was in front of you. You know, what you had a choice of in that mall, and that was it. Uh, you didn't have this yeah. entire world to go searching, which sometimes you find yourself in gridlock, going, "Oh, what hat should I choose?" Whereas you would just go to your local sports shop and like, "Yep." Yeah, he has to choose from you just chose one or if you wanted something like uh you know uh novelty or ironic you'd have to go to your local spencers oh, which spencers. eventually How can we forget about that we almost yeah. shut this episode down without saying anything about spencers i know <laughs> <laughs> spencers was an institution man you couldn't find anything like it anywhere else and they, they were only at malls yeah and they were always like and the I, front end was like for everybody then you got towards the back and it was like holy shit this is like porn back here <laughs> Yeah, you you yeah you find some stuff with like some nudity and like they go like, hey get get away from this get get away from that I'm like well, why is it here in the public it's not like you have it roped off or anything hey, it's right? like you know the hat with boobies on there it's just right around the corner from the Hello Kitty stuff right and then I guess I guess they made way I mean you'll still find a Spencer's now and again but they've kind of made way for the Hot Topic which I guess is kind of the evolution like yeah. you know the pop culture cousin of Spencer's uh, it's funny but how they, Hot they Topic, weren't as yeah Hot Topic changed from being like the rock and roll place to the goth place to now it's all like comic book cartoon pop culture yep yeah for sure yeah like, I remember originally it was like stuffed with like studs on it I was like like do you want a collar in your neck with studs I'm like no I'm not trying to be a 1980s vicious version of myself you know what I mean <laughs> uh, yeah it was, it was all that kind of stuff and then it became yeah like uh, you know Spongebob uh, wristbands and you know, Legend of Zelda lunchboxes, and that's yeah. what it is now for the most part. Yeah. I went into a Spencer's during the summer. Um, we went there for um, a convention, and I picked up a couple, like, uh, comic book hats, like Iron Fist and uh, Robin from Batman and Robin. And it's almost the exact same as Hot Topic, except you go into the back and it's still insanely filthy. <laughs> a lot of pot-oriented stuff before. Remember that? Like, it was the first place you get, like, black light posters and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this weird, weird headgear, which I didn't know what you would use it for. <laughs> I was like, what is this stuff? Yeah. It always had that, that little orb with the little electrodes, with a little static electricity inside it. You put your hands on it yeah. and move around. Our, and I, our, I always saw that in every, every Spencer's. Yeah, our Glenbrook Mall, um, 
they had Spencer's, but then next door to it was this other place, which was like, okay, so Spencer's is the prank, novelty, kind of, like, immature place, and next door was this place with, like, like oddball gifts, but they're all kind of, like, brainy, you know? They had, like, the science-oriented stuff, and they even had the chess thing from Star Trek, where it was, like, six-level chess, which I still have no idea how to uh, play. But I actually applied there, and I got hired there. But I got hired the same exact day at Blockbuster, which was much, much closer to where I lived. Um, so I was like, do I go the extra half hour, drive to the city to get to the mall, or do I work at Blockbuster where I get free movies and I don't have to drive as far? Okay, working at Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, no-brainer for sure. Yeah, did you ever end up working at a mall? Never did. Uh, you know, I, I know people have. They, they said it was a whole lot of fun. It was like, you know, it almost felt like they didn't need to get paid for it because they got to just hang out and socialize. Yeah. But uh, 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 never did. It always seemed like that would be a dream job, but it just never – Never. Yeah, the mall was just a little too far away for me to get to. Not having a car was a hindrance, and there's no way my mom would drop me off. Yeah. Like, I got shit to do. I don't care about your life. <laughs> I got my own life. So, I think it's funny. A lot of the businesses you look at uh, in a mall is 90% people in high school and college, and then there's the guy who kind of fucked up. Oh yeah, I just I guess I didn't go to college, or you know, afterwards I just didn't go. Like me, like I would be that guy. Yeah. Trying to be cool at 40, working with a bunch of teenagers, knowing subconsciously that I was completely out of my element. I always felt like I should just hug them. I'm sorry, I screwed up too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should be like uh, like one of those guys with a little remote control drone. Check this out. I'm like, okay, buddy. It's like it's not as cool as you're trying to portray it. Man. Yeah. Yeah, you do feel bad for some of these some of these clerks at some of the stores. It's like, oh, you made some you made some unusual life choices that didn't did, that didn't turn out in your favor. I, I understand completely. I've been there. I, I am there. Don't worry. There's always that guy with, like, he's baldy, but he's got the longer hair in the back, and he's got, like, the mustache, and he was like, yeah, I was a stand-up comedian in the 80s when it was really hot, and now I'm here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're almost at the hour point anyway, so it's time to wrap this up. Everybody, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment, and sorry this episode took so long. Tony, thank you for being so patient as we... Wow! Every week we tried to do this episode, and this one almost failed as well. Thank you for your patience. Oh, I, oh likewise, sir. Yeah, either if I'm not sick, I've got some something else to do. It's yeah, it's just been a mess. But yeah, I, I, thank you for thank you for your cooperation as well, sir. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good night, and hopefully we'll be back next time with an episode a little sooner. I don't know what we'll discuss. I've got some ideas in mind, but. Um, you know, uh, thank you for all the support. The episodes are still going strong. I can't believe the Christmas episode where we just discussed the 1986 catalog. It, is, is, it keeps growing. People keep downloading this thing like crazy. And our normal numbers are pretty low compared to your normal podcast, like 50, 75. But this one's like above 200 and still going. Apparently that struck a chord somehow. Yeah, yeah so it's... I guess next Christmas we'll have to do 87. Nice. <laughs> all right, everybody. Um, have a good night. everybody to comics on infinite earth this episode we're discussing infinite and i can't even say the word infinity gauntlet and uh, i'm your host michael and my co-host this week is avery how's it going avery 
Pretty good so far, man. I'm just glad to be off. <laughs> I can't believe I couldn't say the word infinity. It's like I wound up and then I dropped the ball. It's like, eh. Infinite, infinity, you know, uh, <laughs> symphony. <laughs> Cincinnati. <laughs> the Cincinnati gauntlet. It's all about baseball. All right, let's do it. <laughs> all right, so this, of course, is uh, worth discussing. Not because just, you know, it's an awesome series, but, of course... The Marvel Universe films are going to be moving towards this storyline, so I thought it was pretty significant. Actually, you suggested this. I shouldn't take credit for it. You suggested doing this one, and it's a good suggestion for an early episode. It is. Um, now, just a little bit of a news flash as far as that goes. Uh, Marvel is, uh, if anybody's been paying attention, they've announced all the movies that they're going to be releasing within the next couple of years or so, and it was in the Infinity Gauntlet one and part well the affinity war part one and part two um they have went back and said hey we're not gonna do the story that we had in mind but we're not gonna kill off the infinity gauntlet series just yet because the way that it's been leading up it's still gonna happen uh but as far as the plans go they were not as concrete as they were presented before so nobody knows anything so far it's still gonna happen when is it gonna happen we don't know uh, we're still having characters come out that are going to be part of that series, um, such as the Doctor Strange movie. I'm sure they're going to tie that in somewhere oh, definitely. as well, too. Um, but as far as, you know, the plans that they have with it coming out, you know, the next year and the year after that, we're not sure what we're going to be looking at or what kind of time frame or anything. But is it going to happen? Yes, it's still going to happen. Uh just not the way that they envisioned it at first. Well, I like the fact uh, that they, they do take these storylines that you're familiar with, like Winter Soldier, Civil War, uh, which I have not seen yet. Uh, I was supposed to see it today, and I'm going to hold off for another <laughs> week. Uh, I just I don't like people. I, I hate being in crowded theaters. Um, they take these storylines that you're familiar with, but they twist in a whole different direction. That way you don't know what's going to happen next. I I kind of get when they do like the Frank Miller stuff, like Sin City, where it's exactly from the comic, you know, 300 but then the people who've read it know where the story's going to go. I like when they take the concept and they flip it on you. It, it is a, it is honestly a good concept because um, uh, not to spoil too much of Civil War, I won't, I won't go into it. Um, there's still going to be the Registration Act that they're still going to put in there. Uh, but the reasons why are not the same reasons that are presented in a comic. The the aftermath is not... The, it's not going to be the same landscape. Uh, but... As far as the cinematic universe goes, uh, with actually me seeing Civil War, I just saw it not too long ago, about two, three days ago. Um, the way that they've been doing the cinematic universe, it's going like it's two separate stories, but they share a lot of the same concepts, the same characters. A lot of the backstories are changed or exchanged one way or another, just so that they can fit together. Um, it's that right there, the Civil War movie, is probably the best uh, way to go about it, honestly. Um, that way, us comic book readers, it's a fresh look. And for people that have never even picked up a comic, they can watch all those movies and be, you know, on par, on ready with us when we all go to watch Civil War. Yeah, let's, uh, so let's start um, Infinity Gauntlet, I would say, probably right before the actual series. Uh, did you read any of the Thanos quest or the Silver Surfer issues that led up to Infinity Gauntlet? I touched up on the Thanos quest. That was probably, um, the Thanos quest was probably one of my favorite things to read. Uh, almost more so than, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Just because, 
uh, as he's going through the universe and tracking down all the gems and, you know, he, you get to see these different sides of why he's doing it. You know, we know why he's doing it. Um, but it's expanded upon it every time he gets a gym. You know, um, when he was getting, I believe that was the mind gym um, from the garden, I thought, no, I think that's probably one of my favorite ones that he uh, actually obtained. It's a lot of little stories that come together. Yeah, I that makes... it's funny that they're super obscure characters. Even the collector, who is probably the only one that's really well known by any fans of Marvel Comics. I mean, he's still considered like a C or D lister, so it's weird that seeing this, like the way it's presented in the movies, it's all the major characters are involved somehow. But in the comics, it's like you—I've never even heard of half of these characters before. Exactly. I mean, um, I'm hoping if they are going to do the Infinity War, I—I I hope that they include Adam Warlock the way that they included the Vision and um, the Age of Ultron because. I had an idea that he might be in there. I didn't follow the Age of Ultron. I saw that, you know, hey, Ultron's going to be in it. Sweet. I hope they put the Vision in there. And they did. And it kind of caught me off guard. It caught a lot of people off guard, honestly. Um, But that was a good twist. So, like, if they do the same, you know, the same kind of thing where you know he's going to be in the story, we're just not sure how it's going to be presented or how he's going to come about that's what I'm hoping to see. And I think they could pull off the Adam Warlock uh, because that the, the way that Infinity War plays out, he is essential to it. Uh, I don't care if it's going to be no comic book or cinematic. No feather Let's <laughs> ditch that. <laughs> I think it's, it's distracting in the comic book when you read it. You're like, I know you guys brought him back after a decade. Do you think that he wouldn't have changed his hairstyle? Why does he look like the <laughs> from Charlie's Angels? <laughs> I think I think if they're going to do his hair, if, let's just sidetrack it. They're going to do his hair. Let him do something cool, but like modern, but yeah, not yeah. like Skrillex modern. That's too much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing that would like change the movie. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you already saw how people received the uh, Joker when they released the uh, how he was going to look in uh, uh, right, Suicide right. Squad. Yeah, and it's just like, okay. When you make something ultra modern, <laughs> it automatically dates it. Like within a year or two, like, oh, yeah, that's what we used to do. <laughs> but um as far as it goes i'm hoping that they do bring him out uh, i'm hoping that uh thanos uh we already know thanos is going to be there uh but people like mephisto like will he be present uh oh, characters yeah. like mistress death will she like is she going to be there or will thanos have you know an ulterior motive for him getting the Infinity Gauntlet in the cinematic series. Yeah, as I long can, as it's... Yeah, I can see Death being there. I don't know if mm-hmm. they'll include Star Fox and Mephisto. I feel like those are characters they're going to have to either hurry up and develop or ditch because I feel like it would throw you off. Like, where do these characters come from? Mephisto's so important in the Marvel Universe in other stages, uh, it would be a huge mistake just to introduce him as his lackey. You have to understand where he came from first to be shocked at why he's uh, Thanos' lackey. Kid, I mean, I wouldn't even like put him on par with saying he's he's lacking, you know. But I, I get what you're saying, but like, not even like he's he's key to the story. Um, I'm not sure what they're gonna do as far as the other characters go because as far as Marvel's rights go, we can like the Infinity War is possible uh, as far as who Marvel has under their control as far as uh, rights and copyright go. Um, but one thing I do want to point out, and I'm gonna bring this back up again, my favorite character. Who are they going to get, or how are they going to position the character Doom, Doctor Doom? Um, 
I, I can't see anybody that they've used before and the way that they portray Doom in the stories and the way he's portrayed in Infinity War are two separate types. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious as as far as not just him, but several characters. Uh, what about Thor? Uh, because even in the Infinity Gauntlet series, it's not the Thor that we know. No, because he has a split. He's playing. What's the doctor that he played? I can't remember for the life of me. <laughs> when he, when he um, doesn't have the air, uh, the um, hammer, he becomes the doctor. And uh, mm -hmm. that's something they never introduced into the movies whatsoever. And uh, we'll also need uh, Silver Surfer as well, too. Uh, because the last one. The last one we had was from the Fantastic Four series that is now not no longer canon, no longer a series. We don't even consider that anymore. They've already rebooted it. Um, what about things like the Celestials and uh, Galactus? Yeah, uh, these these they these all people. belong to Fox, I think. I think Silver Surfer, I think, still belongs with Fox. You notice the mm -hmm. Fantastic Four is nowhere to be seen in Infinity Gauntlet. It's very bizarre how the four major players, all of them, are gone. Every single one, but we still have characters such as you know that are key to the Fantastic Four story, like Doom. Uh, you still have Iron Man as well too, because Iron Man and Mister Fantastic, you know, they form. Uh, I think. Uh, speaking of that, let me uh, let me side branch here uh, with the new Secret Wars uh, series that came out in 2015, I believe. They brought back parts and pieces of the Infinity Gauntlet just to like kind of revive it, just say, hey, guys, we didn't forget about it. Um, but we have not gotten like the full reboot from the uh, from the 90 from the 91 publication. Uh, I hope maybe we might see something in the near future, but they probably won't do it simply because the movie's on. <laughs> well, and you can't have Cyclops, you can't have Wolverine. By the way, Wolverine, when he gets turned into Sponge, is one of the most devastating moments. I was like, oh, oh, so apparently he can't die, but he's completely useless. Those moments aren't going to be in uh, the movie. Unless, uh, Fox, I don't... <laughs> unless Fox pulls a Sony. If they decide, hey, let's, let's share our characters, like the way Sony is with Spider-Man, then it could work. Yeah, I'm not sure how we're going to go about it, uh, but... They're gonna catch us off guard. We're gonna be ready. I'm gonna try to be ready for that. Like the spider, like Spider-Man was finally in Civil War. Uh, that was great on them. That was great for everybody there because the fans won. That was that was a major victory for the fans. Simply because the two studios was like, hey, let's just set set aside the differences. Let's put them in the movie because that's what they want to see. You know, so good on them for that. Yeah, and hopefully they come around. Because these characters, while not crucial to the storyline, would be, especially Silver Surfer, you cannot do Infinity Gauntlet and have it make complete sense without Silver Surfer. He's so... I mean, he. this is where the whole storyline starts from. If you pick up Silver Surfer 50, by the way, I think that's the first gimmick photo, uh, cover mm -hmm. I've ever seen. I remember being in the <laughs> store and catching this foil out of the corner of my eye, and I wandered over to it, and it's Silver Surfer 50. I'm like, i got to get this. I've never read Silver Surfer before. I have <laughs> to know why this is foil. Why is this important? And uh, I, am, I just fell in love with it. Uh, Ron Lim is one of my favorite artists, and it's strange to think that he did the miniseries, and he did the Silver Surfer run uh, before Infinity Gauntlet took off, but was not chosen as the artist, George Perez was chosen, even though he was already over-scheduled with two DC series. So I, I'm wondering why they didn't go to Ron Lim in the first place. No idea. And I actually just pulled up a picture of the Silver Surfer cover, and I can see why. Like, uh, that would be something that would catch my eye. Simply because it's... Uh, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge Silver Surfer fan. I've probably read a couple of the... I've 
couple from the series. He's not my he's not my cup of tea. Uh, I have to, I have to know about him simply because I like Galactus, simply because these characters do tie into the Fantastic Four. Um, but I can see why somebody would go for this one. I mean, like it's just presented great. Um, wow, it's like is there any way that you can like incorporate the picture with this so anybody watch uh, anybody hearing can actually see <laughs> you know this? Like, I'll, probably, I'll probably slap it on. There's always a photo tag with all the podcasts, and I'll throw the cover on yeah. with that. That's gonna be great, there. Um, but I, I wanted to come in and I wanted to talk about the comic, but. The more I think about the comic, the more I'm thinking of how are they going to do this in the movie? <laughs> yeah, you're talking a cast of hundreds almost by the time you're done with the whole storyline. So obviously they're going to have to edit down the major battle that takes place in epi- uh, issue four. I almost said episode four like it was a real <laughs> TV show. Uh, I, uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but you know it's going to be edited down for the battle. You can't have, what do they have, like 30 guys fighting Thanos and uh, Taraxia or whatever her name was? Taraxia? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Taraxia, yes. That was the uh, the 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 maiden that uh, Thanos made because Mister Jeff turned him down so harshly. Um, but that's the other thing. What are we going to do about Taraxia? Like, how are they going to bring? Like, that's a total new, brand new idea, random character that literally came out of nowhere. If that's introduced to the cinematic series, people are going to be like, "What the heck." <laughs> Yeah, they're going to have to introduce some more villains because Thanos for two movies isn't going to work. You're probably going to have Thanos in the second half of, uh, what's it called again? What's the movie going to be called? Infinity War? The Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. Yeah, I don't uh, see him playing much a part uh, of the first one because people will get sick of seeing his face. So he'll probably barely be in that one then show up in the second half, and that's when they take him on. But before that, you're going to need some villains for them to fight. They are going to need uh, several characters. We might have um, we might have a couple brushes with minor characters. Like you know, if here here's one, uh, you can have uh, a brief little stint with uh, you know Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. And Doctor Doom, he'll be like, "Hey man, this is a waste of time. I'm going away because somebody else needs my help." Uh, you can have uh, Doctor Strange doing whatever Doctor Strange does, and he's like, "Hey, there's something bigger." That needs my attention. Pew, whisk away. So right there, we've already killed about 40 minutes yeah. of about a five-hour movie. <laughs> well, and then you have a chunk where everybody disappears if they do it like the comic. If half the population disappears, it's more than just a person being gone and you're sad. What are the repercussions? Say uh, the guy that's driving a bus. He disappears. He drives that bus into a gas tanker. It blows up. It causes a huge disaster. Then Hawkeye and Black Widow have to fly, you know, come in and help save the day. So you got, you got those storylines there. So maybe that's the way they'll go. That's the other. Here's the other thing. Um, with that scene, we know no matter how they do the movie, no matter how they approach it, no matter how the backstory is, that scene will be present and that scene will be monumental. Um, simply because that is literally like when we think about the Infinity Gauntlet, we don't think about the fight, we don't think about these characters, we don't think about anything. We think about how powerful it is where Thanos finally got it and to show it off to everybody in the universe, snaps his fingers, half of it's gone. All to please death. He's in love with <laughs> death. He wants to make her happy. And uh, I can't believe I said a please. I said I meant to say a please. I, uh, a I didn't pay attention for a couple days in first grade, so I've been catching up ever <laughs> since. So therefore, I'm behind on all my education. It's all right, though. It's all right. <laughs> Comics help. 
comics have big words and colorful pictures. <laughs> I will say this. I started reading when I was like four. I started reading. I got a subscription to Incredible Hulk and Amazing Spider-Man. And I do know that by the time I got to fourth or fifth grade, I was like way ahead of everybody else. And I was like, is this because of the comics? Thank you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> comics do have some... They do have the big words in there. And it's like, hey, can you spell scientific? It's like your second grade mind. It's like, yeah, I can because Tony Stark is scientific. <laughs> <laughs> So he yeah, gets the gems, he wipes out half the population, and then it comes time for Doctor Strange and everybody else to start building a team to go off and fight. I mean, basically, they got the big guns. I think the little guys had to stay behind because they're not really going to do any good against uh, Thanos. Even though you got a couple small players, Spider-Man really isn't that strong of a you know character to take on Thanos. So it seemed like he was just there because, well, he's the most popular Marvel character. we got to find a way to throw him in here. That is that is true. Now, uh, here's the other thing. There were um, in the comic there were two teams that were made. The first team was going to be, you know, the team that goes there, distraction, the sacrifice, and then the second team was going to come in out of nowhere, and you know, take advantage of that distraction. Um, and then, like you said, that fight sequence is going to be something. Um, how are they going to go about it when you have a character that's going to be all powerful, all knowing, you know? turns any turns uh people into dirt turns wolverine into rubber how are you into cubes he turns them into little tiny cubes and just lands on the ground and smashes them i love that and then uh, cyclops where he puts the glass box on his head i'm like what are we going to do about this uh how is this going to be done um but uh, after that point, where we have these guys split up, they go and fight Thanos. And like I said, the first wave of people that go includes, um, you know, She-Hulk, which hasn't even been brought up yet. I am dang. Uh, we have Wolverine. We have uh, Thor. Uh, these guys go in. They sacrifice their life just so Adam Warlock, Silver Surfer, can have a chance of trying to snatch off the Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos. Uh, the plan tragically did not work. Yeah, which is surprising because you think, oh, this is all leading up. Captain America is basically the last one left, stands up to him. Thanos raises his hand, and he's like, now, go! And and then Silver Surfer, like, bolts, but he misses. And you're like, what? What are we going to do now? I just, it was, it's it's an emotional roller coaster ride. That's the only thing you could use to describe it because you're seeing people that you've grown attached to for years, decades, and then they just get manhandled by Thanos in a matter of pages. Yeah, it's, just, you know? it's so um, over so quickly. <laughs> it's. I mean, it is. It, the other thing is that it's, it's a six. It's a six issue. Um, you know, if we're just talking about the main ones, it's a six issue. And each little, uh, each thing that happens, I mean, we go from him winning, him gloating, him bringing back his daughter in her very disgusting form. Yeah, that's disturbing. Uh, just, just bothersome right there. And then, uh, one way or another, I'm not going to really spoil it for people who haven't read it, but his daughter ends up with the gauntlet and she is pissed. <laughs> Well, this is this is not skip over the fact that after he beats the Marvel major heroes, he takes on the gods and just hands how their asses we, to them. <laughs> the 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 celestial beings. How can we forget about them? Uh, and these the other thing. How are we going to do those? Cinematic. G- going back to that, um, 
he goes, he fights these celestial beings, and all the celestial beings are like, hey, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this. They pretty much tag team, try to defeat Thanos, and Thanos, as easily as he's dealt with, you know, your favorite superhero, he's dealt with the people who make the universe. <laughs> I know. He's, he's, he's uh, beating up, you know, taking out chaos and time and order, and you're just like, Galactus is, is like a, a gnat to him. He's just like, done. We're moving on. I, I, and, and here's the thing. If people don't know about the Celestial Beings, uh, let's just break it down like this. Uh, Galactus is one of the more powerful ones, not the most powerful. Uh, Galactus is not, you know, he's he's invincible, unbeatable. He is older than the universe itself right now. Um, simply walks around, eats planets. You know who Galactus is. You know, that's, that's like... That's on the surface. And he's not a storm. For, he's not a big cloud. He, he, no, he he's not a storm. He's not a big cloud. I forgot <laughs> about that. We don't know. <laughs> he's never taken that form before. What the heck? Uh, uh, but for Thanos to easily manhandle Galactus is the thing that hits home. And then he hits home with defeating the universe itself, defeating time, defeating, you know, he's defeating everything <laughs> uh death is still not you know phased by any of this because now that she sees that he can do all of this uh she's pretty much like you don't i don't deserve you to this point and now it's just like we will never connect because you are so far above everything else yeah, so the, whole, the whole thing he did for death and then all it just flips on him and it's just like oh, it's a waste of time <laughs> Uh, another thing is um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the um, the newer fans that are coming into this, they're going to stop and think, well, why didn't the actual order of the universe stop Thanos? Because Thanos, uh, in his quest to rule the universe, to replace it, is perfectly okay and in line with that. They actually went to the, uh, you know, they actually pulled up all the Celestials, Living Tribunal, they're like, hey, Thanos is a threat to the universe. Thanos is only trying to uh, go about the, the way that power goes. The power can only be taken over by more power and replaces that. Um, that's what Thanos was actually seeking, and he actually goes that far to being that, too, as well. Yeah. And that's actually his downfall is because he becomes basically the galaxy you know all time and space and that leaves his body open for the taking and nebula steps and it takes the gauntlet and i still <laughs> don't see a huge problem with her having it they're all like freaking out saying that she's worse than thanos i'm like are you sure are you sure about that do you really want to say she's worse than thanos because she didn't kill half the universe as a matter of fact as soon as she got the gauntlet she reversed everything that thanos did uh, so I don't really want to say she's as bad, but I don't think she should have it either. No, comparatively, <laughs> when they're using Thanos uh, to get it back, you're like, hold on a second, he shouldn't be a part of the equation whatsoever. <laughs> Move on to someone else. Oh man! Now at, um, at that point, I'd rather have Drax have it. <laughs> please, anyways. <laughs> um, after this, uh, after Nebula actually gets the Infinity Gauntlet, um, our heroes go back to. They go back to their little headquarters, they debrief, they think about, okay, look, we got to come up with another game plan. And guess who they involve in their game plan? They actually get Thanos back in on this. <laughs> crazy. It's a crazy decision. I don't know what, what, 
That's the one thing that throws me off. I'm like, no, he shouldn't even be part of this at all. It's like, you, like, here's the thing. If you look at the comics, if you look at the lead-up, if you look at everything going into this, you know that Thanos is, like, one of the ultimate bad guys. You're like, oh, man, this cannot happen. And then when you know it's bad, when the good guys have to say, Thanos, we need your help. <laughs> well, I love the fact that Adam Warlock basically says, I've looked into your soul. I see that you don't even really want it. You like the pursuit, but once you have it, you don't want it anymore. And that's a... I've seen that actually in real life where people want success, but once they have it, they're like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. This isn't what exactly what I wanted, and they'll destroy it on purpose. That is the other thing. Um, Thanos, uh, after, so after the, uh, after they try again to go get it, they go meet Nebula. They beat Nebula down with the help of the Celestials once again. And now Adam Warlock has it. And Adam Warlock literally lays it out and says that, Nebula, you can't have it because you just can't have it. Thanos, you can't have it simply because you didn't want it in the first place. Thanos actually tries to commit suicide because it's, it's gone that far. It's taken that big of a toll on him. He's actually talking about, you know, how power, like how he felt having it. You, you know everything. You are everything. It's too much for it. It was too much for him. It was too much for Nebula. Uh, Adam Warlock seems to be the only one that was pretty chill with it because he didn't do anything with it. <laughs> he was just like, "I'm gonna get, I'm gonna keep this, and nobody's gonna have it ever. Go yeah, away." I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to think of the only person I think that would be suitable to have it besides him is Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is probably the like Doctor Strange would be the only one suitable with it because Doctor Strange already has. Uh, you know, a, a library of things that nobody's supposed to have, and he only has it just so it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Right, and uh, he's never misused his Doc powers. He has things that could undo the entire universe if he could, you know, if he did it right, but he's never bothered, and that that would be like my my second option. Doctor uh, Doctor Strange for president, please. Um, <laughs> so, uh, please, um, like I, like like you were saying, Doctor Strange would be. And that's the other thing. Like, Doctor Strange is very involved with this story. Um, from the from the get-go, like, the first page is him. The the middle, the plans, anything that's there, he's involved in it. Um, he's a bigger force than Captain America. He's a bigger force than most of the people that are here. Uh, but he is really not such a well-known character. I mean, like, you think of people like Captain America, Iron Man, but, you know... Doctor Strange is in your head, but he's in the back. But Doctor Strange right here presents himself and saying, hey, uh, y'all know those people y'all like so much? Well, I'm possibly better than them. <laughs> well, think about this. If they haven't introduced Adam Warlock in the film series, this may be the way the series ends. It may end with Doctor Strange taking hold of the Infinity Gauntlet, and then we move on to like the Infinity Watch, like the way they did in the comics, Infinity Watch, Infinity Crusade. You know, That's how the story progresses. Maybe he actually ends up taking control of the Gauntlet. And that would make perfect sense right there. Um, if he did take control of it, however, as well, we might be actually looking at, uh, and this is this is going totally off the board here, totally off the wall. If Doctor Strange does come in, you know, if he is the one that actually possessed the Infinity Gauntlet by the end of the series, we might be looking at the Illuminati with uh, Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, Captain America, Doctor Strange, and the Black Panther as well. Because all these characters have already been introduced. Oh, <laughs> and that, the Illuminati is the ones that sent Hawk off into space. 
And then we got World War Hulk. Oh my God. <laughs> just, just think of the implications there. Like, if we were to have the Illuminati uh, storyline in any type of movie form, um, we would be looking at some really, like, we might be looking at a secret war, even <laughs> as, as a movie. Possibly, maybe, who knows? This is me. This is wishful thinking right here. This is me just stretching out a little far. <laughs> I don't know, man. Could Marvel's happen. been doing some good fan feasting, you know, stuff that we want. They're like, sure, have it, whatever. We'll dig in, you know, and we're like, Thank <laughs> you. can we have some more? This is awesome. Like, everything we wanted, Marvel is paying attention and doing it. Uh, I think Guardians of the Galaxy, I think that was really something out there to test the waters. Uh, just to see, hey, it was like, hey, what kind of movie can we push? You know, what kind of movie, how far can we go with this? Yeah, I mean, Guardians. D-level characters, people that barely like broke into like the comic fans' world zone, you know, not like the fans of the films. You're talking regular readers of Marvel. I was kind of like, I remember Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's not the version I remember. I remember the 90s version where they're in the distant future and none of those characters were there. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And, you know, space movies hadn't really been popular outside of Star Wars. Uh, and it worked. It, it, it sold very well. And I, I'm not a huge fan of the cosmic adventures of the Marvel Universe, but I'm more mm -hmm. than willing to sit through a movie about Nova or about uh, uh, the Inhumans, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and then here's, here's my thing. It worked so well, we're getting a sequel. And I'm excited for the sequel. Uh, I'm, I've read on Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, here's the thing. I've read on them, but I've never read Guardians of the Galaxy. I watched the movie. I fell in love with these characters. I go out and read all the comics. I'm like, this needs to be a series. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I see why. And... You know, at this point, Marvel, you know, Marvel Studios is unstoppable. I'm pretty sure if they made a movie, um, I mean, we they just launched the uh, trailer not too long ago for Doctor Strange. That was well received. Uh, we're looking at Black Panther coming out with a movie next year. We're looking at another Spider-Man reboot with Marvel behind it as well, too. That's going to be a great movie as well. We're looking at a lot of, you know, sidebar characters that are getting big time and being involved in movies. Uh, as, and then I'll let, um, Quicksilver is another one of those characters of, yeah, he's a great character, but who, you know, it, he's not Wolverine, he's not Iron Man. Uh, Quicksilver is being brought out in, you know, we saw him in a Marvel movie, we saw him in a Fox movie. He's easily one of, the, uh, uh, you know, a crowd favorite, oh, you yeah. know? So Marvel is definitely pushing it, not because they know the big characters itself, but they're definitely pushing it with the little characters as well too, the the secondary and and the the ones that are more offlandish, you know. And it's working. <laughs> if you look at the Infinity Gauntlet series, it's almost a time capsule of what was popular, what Marvel was trying to push at that time. Uh, the fact that Quasar shows up, and you're like, oh, I totally forgot about Quasar. Nobody liked him. Like he was such a minor cult following, but they respect the fact that you know. There is still had some following, and I don't know. He might show up in the Cosmic Adventures too. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be called Quasar because uh, that's kind of a strange name. It's hard to sell that, but they'll they'll probably bring him in some way. Um, and here's here's another thing. Uh, remember the last time when we did uh, the the episode on Secret Wars, we were talking about uh, how diverse that um, how diverse the um, that comic writing style was. Uh, we were talking about things like uh, how there was comedy elements in there, there was action, there was a whole lot of fighting, you know, it was just like, it's pretty much like playing with toys, you know? Uh, with with the um, 
Infinity Gauntlet series, however, we see that more serious, that more darker side start to take form, but we still don't see that more, um, like with the comics that we have now, they are still dark, they're still gritty, they still have the comic elements, but they're more believable, they're more real to life, to yeah. say in a point. Reactions like, to we, these situations that are realistic, instead of mm-hmm. just, oh, let's go with the comedy bit. No, what is the reaction to the situation? Is it funny? Because this person and how they would do it, you know, that's why it works. Yeah, so like, we, we, we went from lighthearted to dark. I mean, because... Uh, this 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 Infinity Gauntlet. There is really nothing to laugh at in here. It's just it's a multitude of dialogue. It's a multitude of action, and it's and you literally have a guy selling his soul to, for a woman that will not accept him because he has sold his soul. Well, I, think, um, I think it's because Jim Starlin uh, he writes as if it were a novel. He doesn't write it as an episodic television thing, which a lot of comic books do. They have to have this big build-up and break down every single issue. He understands the six, the, these six uh, issues, it's one long story, so it's more novel or maybe a mini-series that would be on television. That, that would make perfect sense there, uh, because it's presented, because the way that it is presented, it's very, it's very harsh, honestly. I mean, you, you've never, like, something like, somebody snapping their fingers and half the universe is going is has never been present. I think that's why a lot of that's why a lot of fans do like the series because it's almost a shift. Uh, because any a lot of the comics that were made in the nineties were, you know, darker material, more violent, and, you know, there were definitely some feedback from that as well too. Now they're a little they're a little less violent, but they're a little more, like you said, reactive, real to life. You know, we have uh, like the perfect character would be Spider Man because every every reader out there yeah you your favorite person might be captain america your favorite person might be iron man but deep down inside i think we all see a little bit of ourselves as spider-man we're just an average person boy girl kid um you know and life isn't so great all the time but life is good and we're enjoying it and you get the character like spider-man very relatable i think that's probably why he's a fan favorite as well too and when they bash his head in with a rock and you see the blood all over the rock, that's a messed up moment, man. <laughs> Everybody, um, it is starting to rain very hard. I apologize if you've heard this throughout the episode, but it's going to get real loud now. So I am going to sign off. Sorry, Avery, the short in this episode, but it's going to be miserable. for That's fine, man. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. Uh, I don't know what we'll do for our next episode, but I, Avery, I know you got something good lined up. We'll find, discuss. And holy crap, is that getting loud. Everybody, have a good night. 